It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the, the, the Haystack Show with Mike Guido. And it is so good to have you here on the Haystack of the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Here to Monday. iHeart, tune in, WorldWideSportsRadio.com, Facebook Live, Twitter, Periscope, Spotify. We're everywhere. You're in the right place. The number to call if you want to call in. If you didn't catch on last week, we've got a new number. one 909 that is 1-877-909-9977. Call us up, join the conversation. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer, our Big J journalist, Matt Catarizzolo as well. No Vinny Mutone today, but he look, I, he said to me before that he was going to be here for Wii Sports Wednesday, at least. So he's going to be here for Wii Sports Wednesday. And if he's not, we got to... We, we gotta have I think talk. we just got to go to his house and kick his ass. We gotta that's have, that's we, what I think. We got to have a talk. We have to have a long talk with Vinny Mutone. Yeah, yeah, All right. Not like, not like a bad one, just like an are you okay talk, you know? Yeah, a check up on him talk, yeah, like a very sincere, sympathetic talk. Just letting him know that we're there for him. Yeah, that's right. All right. Uh, plenty to go over today. Preseason football. Uh, the first week of the preseason is officially in the books. Mm. And... There were a few things that I can take away from this. And aside, look, I, I think Antonio Brown might be the biggest pain in the butt in sports. I really think he might be. So we're going to get into that a little bit later. But coming up right now, I want to start with this. So the Dallas Cowboys lost their preseason opener against the 49ers in Santa Clara. You know, they didn't get much production on the ground. Tony Pollard averaged about four yards a carry, and then everybody else was kind of below that mark. And everybody's coming out and saying, see, the Cowboys need Ezekiel Elliott. They got to pay him. See? Okay. Slow down. Okay? Nobody doubts the fact that Zeke makes them better. That doesn't change the fact that he's under contract. That doesn't change the fact that he plays an invaluable position. That doesn't change the fact that he has no leverage. Look, Zeke will play. He will play because he has to play. He doesn't want it to look like the Cowboys don't need him. Does he really want to take that risk? So let's take a look at this really quick if we're talking about Dallas. In the regular season, you know, the the games that really matter – Hmm. The first three weeks look pretty easy. We've got week one, home against the Giants. We've got week two, on the road against Washington. And then you've got week three, home against the Miami Dolphins. So you have a schedule with maybe three of the bottom ten teams in the league, maybe the two worst teams in the NFL in the first three weeks. Week four, week five, week six, week seven, that's when things are really tough. The Saints, Packers, Jets will be better, and the Eagles... Those are, those are four really tough games right there. So you'll see it's possible the Cowboys go 3-0 without Zeke. How many of those right. are home and away, Ed? Uh, the, which one, the first three games? Or no, the, the, the four games you just mentioned. Uh, at the Saints in the Superdome, the Packers is in Dallas, the Jets is in MetLife Stadium, and the, Cow- and the Eagle game is in Dallas. So two at home, two on the road. Okay. So that's, a, that's, probably, that's, probably, an L, that's probably an L in New Orleans. 
I can see that going either way against Green Bay. I can see it going either way against the Jets. The Jets, and I say they lose to the Eagles too. I mean, the Packers. You got the Packers. I think the one advantage you have if you're if you're the Packers is is that Aaron Rodgers just is just yeah, has, has yeah. their number. Has he has the Cowboys number? Well, right. Rodgers just in general has the Cowboys number. So the first three weeks, the Cowboys could go very easily three and zero without Zeke. I can agree with that. Sure. So you're painting the picture for about a month of, hmm, so where are the L's? If Zeke's so important, why aren't they losing any football games? Now, people like you and I are going to understand, yeah, they're playing pretty bad football teams, but, you know, if you really look back, people are going to see the number. People are really going to remember the number. 3-0. And by the way, if we're talking about contract negotiations, it doesn't help him at all. It doesn't help him at all. We could sit here and say, okay, um, you need Zeke in that offense for everything to run. Cowboys go 3-0. The Cowboys don't need to say that. Especially if the Jones family isn't necessarily on Zeke's side. Hey, look, we think Tony Pollard's going to be just fine as a running back. We think he can carry the load. Uh, maybe he can. Maybe he can't. Honestly, true. Uh, uh, honestly, I don't know. I don't know if he can or he can't. Behind that Dallas offensive line, anything's possible. I don't know. But does Zeke really want to take that risk? Let's just imagine for a minute that the Cowboys go 3-0 and with Zeke. You realize that the whole narrative of that entire month, the precedent that you paint for that entire month, is completely different, right? So Zeke goes th- Zeke goes 3-0 with the Cowboys. He plays. Zeke can talk to his agent, and his agent can talk to the Cowboys and say, hey, you see this? We just went 3-0 in the first three weeks while I was on the field. See, I told you I was important. And what happens if you don't play and the Cowboys go 3-0 anyway? You really want to take that risk against bad teams? So they go 3-0, and for, the fir- for about a month, this is the picture you paint. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe the Cowboys don't really need them. Doesn't help your contract negotiations. In the public eye, it's one thing. In your front office's eye, it is completely different. You can come out of that meeting and say, I am valuable. And the Cowboys can come at you and say, we're 3-0 without you, Zeke. Now, we've got a good offer right here on the table for you between 8 and $15 million. And I've got to be honest with you, if it were me, it'd be closer to 15 than, thir- than 8, which is what I think is actually the offer. I think it's going to be around 12, 13. This is the offer we got for you. This is the number we're putting on you. And we're not comparing you to players on the roster. We're comparing you to players at your position. And here's another way I want to look at this. If Ezekiel Elliott does not come back and the Cowboys go 3-0, not only is he devaluing himself, but he completely furthers the argument that he devalues his position. You realize that, right? 
Cowboys go 3-0 and with Tony Pollard in the backfield, who averaged four yards a carry in, a first, in the first preseason game. Maybe he's good or maybe he isn't, but you realize that he's devalued the position, right? Because Tony Pollard's not going to be a star running back. Can he be serviceable? Sure. Is he going to be high paid? Yeah. Is he going to be high paid? Eventually, yeah. But the Cowboys are, go- I keep telling you, the Cowboys are going to win this battle with Zeke. I get that Zeke's great, and I get that the offense, I, I-, I wouldn't agree that it runs around him, but I agree that he is an integral part to that offense. The last thing, the very last thing that Zeke should want to do is make it look like the Cowboys don't need him. Okay? Le'Veon Bell made that mistake last year. He wanted to be the highest paid running back in the NFL, prove his value with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And James Conner did exactly what he would have done. You don't want to take that risk. You don't want to take that risk. It's all about proving your worth. Zeke, you already proved your worth for three straight years. Nobody's questioning your worth to the Cowboys. Everybody is questioning a a running back's worth to a Super Bowl team. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with Todd Gurley. It has nothing to do with Le'Veon Bell. It has nothing to do with Ezekiel Elliott. It has nothing to do with Saquon Barkley. It has everything to do with the value of the running back position. And look, it's your own fault. You chose the position. You chose to play running back. If you wanted to make big money, play wide receiver. Play pass rusher. Play quarterback. But you chose running back. And running backs don't make huge money. And the ones that do, don't do a lot of winning. It's just that plain and simple. So, we could sit here and say, Ezekiel Elliott, he's got to get paid by the Cowboys. See, I told you they couldn't run the football. When we watched them on Saturday night, everybody said, see, look, the Cowboy offense needs Ezekiel Elliott. They can't run the football. Okay. But if the Cowboys go 3-0 in the first three weeks, the narrative changes. Football's all about narratives. I think the narr- Have you realized that? I think I agree with you. The narrative will change in terms of in, in the Cowboys' house because then the Cowboys, you're right, the Cowboys will say, hey, we're 3-0 without you. But I do think the public opinion, the public opinion will be you beat the Giants – you beat the Dolphins, you beat the Redskins, you beat Washington. So that, that will be three teams the public will say and say, well, okay, those teams are probably going to win three games, three or more games this year. After that, then things get tough. They're not, they have nine games against the Saints, Packers, Jets, Eagles, Vikings, Patriots, uh, Bears, Rams, and Eagles again. So I think short-term, short-term, the Cowboys will have the leverage. Will they have the leverage in the long-term when the season now? Obviously yeah, but how long does Zeke them? really want to take it? You know, take off before he just starts losing value I, I for time. Know. That's a, that's a question. That's because he's two years goes. away from free agency. He's two years away from free agency. He has to play one of these next two years. It might as well be this year, right? Sure. If you're going to hold out, you might as well hold out in the year that you actually might enter free agency. 
Not it's, two years beforehand. You don't have leverage. Well, the only person that knows the answer to that is Zeke. That's the only person that knows the answer to that. No, question. he isn't the only guy that knows the answer to that. Zeke is not the only guy that knows the answer to when he's going to come back. Everybody knows that he has to come back. Everybody knows that he has to come back. He does not have a choice. He doesn't have a choice unless he plans on absolutely destroying his career. If he wants to destroy his career and become has-been Adrian Peterson, has-been Ray Rice, has-been Jamal, Jamal Charles, well, he wants to... Ray Rice is a different situation. Well, when Ray Rice came... Well, when Ray Rice, getting into his later years, was averaging three and a half yards a carry. But... Jamal Charles got hurt also. Oh, right. Well, what I'm saying is that you, you become a running back that somebody now has to take a chance on. You're two years out. You haven't played a snap. I think there are teams that would do it, though. For how much? Exactly. But there for are how much? There like, are teams that you, would you're going to pay him over $10 million? Some teams if he, would. If, if he sits out for two years? Some teams would. I disagree with you. Some I don't think would. it's. I don't even think it's maybe not over, maybe possible. not maybe not over ten million, but I'd say like yeah, around ten million, maybe eleven. Some teams definitely would. Even if it were, is that the money he's looking for? No. Okay. That and that's the end of the story. Zeke, you want to make your big money? You realize the best chance that you have of doing that is by playing, right? He has no choice. And the Cowboys. And everybody's going to overreact to this week one thing. But we're going to have... It's not like football games happen day after day after day. They happen once a week. So for three weeks to a month, we're going to have this conversation of, okay, Cowboys are 3-0 and without Zeke. <laughs> they keep winning games without him. His value, down the drain. If that keeps happening. All right. What happens if they do lose to one of the – in those – they have two division games, though. I will say. Two division games, the Giants – the Giants. There's the no way they lose any one of those games. No way. The uh, Redskins no, I, are going to be a, top, a bottom 10 team in the league. The Giants are – the Giants and the Dolphins are both probably the two worst teams in football this but year. Say they, but say they do. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, everything – all of a sudden, they change. The NFL – the NFL is a – Sure. Is a, is look, a uh, they NFL could. They the, could. Look, Washington uh, did beat the Cowboys in in, in – in, uh, uh, Landover, Maryland last year. Look, they could – look, I'm not going to say very easily, but you're right. Anything can happen in the NFL. Could they lose? I guess. And then Zeke looks really good. But, okay, dude, they're playing the, – like, I would at least understand it if they were playing the Saints, they were playing the Chargers, they were playing the Chiefs, they were start playing the, the Patriots. Like, they were playing teams that were really, really good. Philly to start the season, sure. Right. But no, you, you play the Giants, the Redskins, and the Dolphins in the first month. No, they're all, they're all very winnable games for the Cowboys. They all are. But the NFL is a parody league. Anything can happen. All right. Let's go to break. Coming up next, Antonio Brown can't keep his head on straight or his helmet. That's coming up next. Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back here to Monday, Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Here at Cafe Rays in Hot Park, New York. Good to have you in. 1-877-909-9977. This is the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mike, Evan, Matt, good to have you in. We talked a little bit about Zeke. Let's talk about another pain in the butt because this is just... 
I don't even know how to say it. It's, it's just ridiculous. So Antonio Brown threatened to retire from the NFL if he isn't allowed to use his, his old helmet in games instead of the NFL's new, more protective helmet. So if you don't know the story, here it is. So the NFL is, and, and they've been working on this for years, they are coming out with new technology for helmets that further protect players. They want to reduce the amount of con, uh, concussions that happen every year, reduce the risk of head injuries and you know, increased padding and whatever else is, is going into these helmets. There's a lot of people that are smarter than I am that are making these helmets the way that they are, you know, inducing technology into these things. So the NFL is constantly working on new technology to further protect their players. The helmet that the NFL is allowing players to wear this year for their safety, according to Antonio Brown, blocks, it kind of infringes on your vision a little bit. Now, let this be known there is not a single player in the NFL that has made the same claim. Not one. Now, Antonio Brown plays the wide receiver position where I think you can make the case vision out of your helmet is especially important. You need to be able to catch the football, and you need to, your hand-eye coordination has to be incredible. So the NFL is now cre- is trying to make more protective helmets for players. And Antonio Brown is saying, look, this helmet blocks my vision. And I find it interesting because I don't know if Antonio Brown ever even said, listen, I I really, really just want to wear the old helmet. You know, this new helmet kind of blocks my vision and everything like that. Is it okay if I wear my old helmet? I think he kind of just went at the NFL and said, if the NFL is going to force me to wear this helmet, I'm going to retire. I'm done. I'm never going to play football again. Dude, you sound like a child that didn't get picked for kickball. I'm serious. Are, are, are you serious? If I don't get to be team captain, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Antonio Brown, you're 31 freaking years old. Is, isn't it about time that you grew up? You've got, what, three, four kids? Do it for their sake. Seriously. Just please get up off the ground and be an adult for once in your career. Okay, this is ridiculous. He wants to sit out, he wants to retire from the NFL, even though the NFL is saying, listen, AB, we're, we're doing this for your benefit. We're trying to protect you and your, forget about football first. We're trying to f- protect you for life. Like, we're trying to make it so you don't have suicidal thoughts at 50 that we've seen a bunch of times in the past with, with, with CTE, uh, CTE and, and head injuries and everything like that. Aaron Hernandez had the worst case of CTE ever discovered by a doctor. Junior Seau had one of the worst cases of C- CTE that was ever discovered by a doctor, and he ended up committing suicide tragically. The NFL is trying to protect prevent those situations now let me tell you this if I were the NFL if I were Commissioner Goodell 
I were the people that were in the front office of the NFL. I'd be like, you know what? Fine. Use your old helmet. But don't come crying to us if you get a concussion every year. Honestly, there has to come a point where, and Evan knows this also because we've been doing the show for a while. It's been a while since we started the show. I can't even realize that. But he knows this. I bash the way the NFL's run all the time. I think the NFL is the worst run sports league in sports. I really do. I think it is so incredibly poorly run. I don't think Roger Goodell is competent at his job. I really don't. So it's very rare of me to come out and defend the NFL as a league. But I, I don't have a choice here. The NFL is doing whatever they can to protect players. And Antonio Brown is threatening to retire from the NFL. One of the, one of the game's premier players, forget about wide receivers, premier players threatening to retire from the NFL if he's not allowed to wear the old helmet. I want to wear the old one. Oh, and on top of this, he then comes out yesterday and says, oh, if I'm not allowed to wear the old helmet, if I get a head injury with the new helmet, I'm holding you liable. Meaning the NFL. Dude, you've got to be kidding. At that point, I'm saying, AB, here, wear the old helmet. If you're going to hold us liable for your head injuries with our new and improved helmet, we're not even going to make the effort with you. We're done. Wear the old helmet. But don't sue us. Don't come crying to us if you suffer a head injury with your old helmet. Look, all we're trying to do is help you. We tried. We really tried. It's like anything else in life. You try to help somebody, but they nitpick at the tiniest little thing. Fine. Then deal with it the old way. I'm done. I'm done. I don't think this is unreasonable. And I'll be honest with you. Antonio Brown, now with this helmet situation, you know who looks really good right now? Big Ben. Really good. <laughs> Look, he's clapping his hand. He's sitting over in Pittsburgh right now saying, Hey, AB, do you, you do you, my man, away from Pittsburgh. All you're doing is making me look less of a problem. And I believe it. I really do. I'm not going to say that Big Ben isn't a problem at all. He's not a diva at all. He hasn't rubbed teammates the wrong way ever before. But can we really sit here and bash Ben Roethlisberger after seeing what we've seen? Antonio Brown's been an Oakland Raider for five minutes. And already, John Gruden and Mr. Davis, and they're already feeling the heat. Yes. They're already feeling, oh, Lord.
Lord. NFL, Here we go. The NFL put out a statement with uh, about it earlier this morning. Oh, they don't care. The player, uh, the player can't practice or play in games with equipment that's not approved. This is from Brian McCarthy of the NFL. The player can't practice or play in games with equipment that's not approved. If he, right. doesn't, if he doesn't play or practice, he is in breach of his contract and doesn't get paid. The NFL policy is that helmets have to be certified by the NOSCAE. That is the National Operating Committee on Standards for Athletic Equipment. Uh, they don't clear. They don't certify equipment that's old. That's older than ten years. That's old than ten years. That was his tweet. That's Brian McCarthy, the NFL's tweet earlier this morning. Right. So the NFL has to live by a certain code for players, for player safety. Uh, equipment has to be built a certain way. It has to be this amount of years old. It's got to be all of this stuff. So Antonio Brown can't bitch. He can't bitch about it. Look, whatever you want to do, uh, look, I, I am whatever, dude. And I, I look, I, what the, the NFL, what's, what they're doing right now, I am 100% on board. Everything that Antonio Brown is doing right now is just, why does it matter to you? You think, people, you think less people are going to watch the Raiders this year if Antonio Brown doesn't play? Really? It's like the Ra- look. I like the Raiders have high aspirations. They're a fireworks show, you know. I, and I actually, this is pretty funny. I saw a theory on this. Hard knocks. Yeah. <laughs> if this is just a hard knocks uh, ploy, I don't know about that. Would that be? I, I, I don't. I don't think it is either. But wouldn't that be something? If this was just like a an act for hard knocks. WB storyline? Yeah. Wouldn't that be something? It'd be something, but I, it, I, 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 would, I would give it at a, I would give it at a, I would, I would say 100%. 100%. No way. Yeah. No, no way. I, I agree with you. 100%. I, I don't think it is. I don't think I it wouldn't is even either. give it, I wouldn't even say 99.9. Give it that 0.01%. I think this is just pure Antonio no Brown. But. Although, but it's when you watch our knocks so tomorrow, I'm sure it'll be brought that's up. That's going to be fun. I'm sure it'll be brought Look, up. It'll be featured a bit. But I love how the NFL's handling this. Look, Antonio, we, we're not going to allow players to wear equipment that's outdated. We're not going to wear, no, we're not going to let players wear unapproved equipment. It's just not going to happen. Because then we, th- then we're responsible. And we don't want that. But like, like I said, if I were the NFL, if I were Roger Goodell, I would have the absolute gall to say, you know what? Fine. Don't come crying to me if you start feeling headaches at night. That's all I've got to say with that. I've given up. And honestly, the Raiders, they're such a perfect fit for AB. John Gruden... The, the dysfunction, all of that. I, it's such a great fit. Antonio Brown's such a raider. It just feels right. I don't know. I, I think it's absolute lunacy. It really, really is. And I, can, I feel like I can kind of call his bluff. If you're not allowed to wear your old helmet, are you really going to retire from the NFL, give up all your money? Are you really going to do that? Come on. All right. Let's go to the news. Our big J journalist. 
Our Big J journalist, Matt Catarazzolo, here on a Monday. This yeah. is new music, Evan? Yeah, I decided to get new music. I like it. But just for today, I, like I, want, to, for today I want to try something. All right, so this is, a, this is an article that came out in The Athletic uh, about two days ago by uh, Tim Kawakami. It's another on, uh, on Antonio Brown and this whole Raiders situation. And I thought he, he wrote in something very interesting and said that uh, it already seems like Antonio Brown is a short-term Raider. And let me read you something really quick. So he said that Gruden couldn't handle the Mack and Cooper situations last year, and those are two of the most coachable stars you'll ever see in the league. Now, Gruden has brought Brown into this unsteady franchise situation. The Raiders are desperate to win. Gruden is desperate to prove his critics wrong. They're preparing to move to Las Vegas, and it's probably their last season in Oakland. And things are already going haywire. So do you think Antonio Brown's a short-term Raider? Uh, If this keeps up, yeah. I I mean, like, first of all, I want to touch on this. Because I don't know if John Gruden couldn't handle the Amari Cooper... Khalil Mack thing. Well, I, feel like I, I wouldn't call to, it that. I know, but I feel like if he wanted to keep them, he would have. If he, yeah, if he but felt he like he could have done what he was doing while keeping them, then he would have. Because he well, he wouldn't. Re- he would like with Amari he, Cooper. Amari Cooper was underproducing in Oakland, and he was able to get a first round pick out of the kid. That's why he got. It wasn't like a like a, I can't handle you. Then what about Mack? Well, Khalil Mack was holding out, and Khalil Mack and Gruden said, "Listen, we we got to get ready to play." Right. They also we can't have they this also, guy they doing weren't, that. They weren't communicating. Like, they weren't seeing a lot of each other. Kind of like what's happening right now. They're not seeing... Like, Antonio Brown's not showing up to practice. According to this article, when he was in meetings, he was unfocused. And he, when he, even when he was there... So, I don't know. I mean, I think this is, this is you know, just the tip of the iceberg. I don't know. Uh, look, I'll tell you this. If I'm the Raiders, I'm really looking at dumping Antonio Brown. Soon, I'll, I'll deal with him for a season. If this keeps going on and my team's not showing any progress, just dump him. Just dump him. I, and I honestly, I wouldn't even trade him. Cut him. Really? Cut him. Don't yeah. try to get anything for him. No. Because first of all, I think after that, his value's gone anyway. You know, if you get if it, well, what the the Steelers, while he was a year younger, coming off a, a season where he had 15 touchdowns, could get a third round pick for him. Now with the helmet thing and the foot thing and all of this garbage and the two years older, it, what's he worth now? So you're saying his production is not worth the headache? No, I don't think. Look, I don't think the Raiders are going to be good enough in time for Antonio Brown to matter. So I'll take him for a season or so. But honestly, if he just keeps running his mouth and. Causing all of this trouble, cut him, cut him. But he's got three years left on his current deal. I don't five, care. Five I'll, deal, five year, I'll like buy him out. I'll buy him out. Yeah, Get him out of my building. I don't. If they would have cut him now, I'm trying to see how much money they would still have to owe him. If they would have a cut lot, him, yeah, it'd be a, a lot. lot but it doesn't matter. It, I wouldn't cut him now. Season. I would. I would play him for a season. I would play him for a season. But if he keeps doing this. Cut him. Be done with him. Get him out of the building. Let him be somebody else's problem. Last year, Antonio Brown had 102 receptions for three yards shy of 1,300 yards. Second in the league to Julio Jones with 15 touchdowns. Led the league in touchdowns. Mm-hmm. 15. And like I said, the Raiders could only get a third. Uh, I'm sorry, the Steelers could only get a third round pick for Antonio Brown. Third round. Amari Cooper got a first. 
I, I mean, third round pick for Antonio Brown. A player of that magnitude. I'm telling you. It's not, it, if the Raiders were to trade him, it's not like they'd be getting, they'd be getting a lot back anyway. I would say if the Raiders traded him, he's 32 years old, right? They're a season deep with him. He's 32 years old. He's on big money. He's a big headache. A fifth? A sixth? Like I said, he becomes such a, do I really want to deal with you? I, I feel like it's the same thing with like uh, that we were saying before with the Zeke scenario. I feel like there are some teams that would still do it. There are some teams that would like to have an Antonio Brown on, and they would be like, you know what? Like, if he can give us another 1,300 yard, 10 plus touchdown season, I'll deal with all the off. Yeah, I'll deal with all the off the field issues. I don't know. I don't. I don't see it working. I don't see it working me. anywhere. But there are definitely teams that are desperate enough to do it. I, oh yeah. No, I, mean, I, hear I don't you. want to throw that word around, but I, mean, I hear you. It's really what it comes down to. Yeah. So okay. So one other thing that I wanted to touch on in this first news segment. So we, we talked about the Rich Paul rule a little bit last week, but uh, he actually just came out the other day and, and responded to it. So this is a quote from Rich Paul uh, about the new NCAA rule. The people being locked out are kids who aspire to be an agent and work in the NBA and do not have the resources, opportunity, or desire to get a four-year degree. Uh, okay. I mean, he has a point. I'm not going to say that he doesn't, but... I don't know, the, the whole Rich Paul rule thing, I'm still kind of waiting to hear from the NCAA like what the real reason is behind this. Because I feel like the reasons they're giving are kind of like, oh, we just want fairness, and we just want this, and blah, blah. I'm like, all right, really, what's the real reason why you're doing this? I, I feel like you're just kind of PRing us to death. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I, I, he has a point, though. He does. He has a point. If you want, like, I will say this, though. I, the NCAA, I think, in a way, is just trying to protect its players. Right. Right? Like, you don't want a kid coming out of high school, like an 18-year-old kid or a 20-year-old kid representing another 20-year-old kid. They have absolutely no idea what an escalator clause is in, in, in a contract. And a team either screws them over or they don't get a deal that they're worth or... So, like, I understand that you need to know what you're doing, but Rich Paul, I think, does have a point. He does have a little bit of a point. Well, yeah, I mean, this is being this is being dubbed the Rich Paul rule, so, I mean, I think it's interesting to get his, his two cents on the issue. I don't know. But it, I mean, it's touchy. That's the thing. Like, it's, it's, it's a yeah, controversial... it gets a little re- political. It, it, it very, and it's a very controversial thing right now that, you know, a lot of people have come out and kind of spoke on it, LeBron included. Yeah, right. So, I mean, this is this is, this is is a big deal. Like, we might it not is. be realizing that, right. but I think this is going to have ramifications that are going to affect how we see sports and business kind of intertwined for the next couple of years with right. young players, agents, and the way that they conduct business. So it's going to be, it's going to be, I don't know, a... a pretty rocky yeah. coming you know in the coming years yeah, with this new rule in place. I, I think it could be also that's yeah, not good no all right that's the news our big j journalist matt catarizolo here on a monday antonio brown is the same birthday as my dad how about that july 10th july 10th happy birthday mr catarizolo mm-hmm. a month later very cool so um still plenty to cover today top of the hour 
we saw a lot of young quarterbacks play in the preseason. We're going to give you our synopsis on what these quarterbacks are going to be. What I'm going to do is I'm going to name here, we'll even turn it into a game since you guys are desperate for a game. Yes. Evan will name the young quarterback. So we have two games today. And I will give you the pro comparison to what I think their career is going to, to mirror. So it has to be young quarterback. So year, he's entering year two, rookie year, year three. So year those four. eight guys. Those oh, those eight, eight guys, guys you mentioned before. Those oh, eight okay. guys. Those eight guys. So the, five, the eight quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round of the past two drafts. Okay. So this year it's Haskins, Daniel Jones, and Kyler Murray. Last year with Rosen, Baker, Darnold, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson. Okay. okay. So it'll I was, be I was, those guys. I was wondering, too, because I was going to bring up Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, Dak, so, et cetera, et cetera, you know, along, yeah. along with, those, along with those, eight, those other eight quarterbacks. Right. right. Cool. So that's what's going to happen. I like it. So here, I want to kind of bring up this conversation. So Matt was really kind of upset that we played the Abbey Road game without him. Well, we did have to cut the. We, I, I, to, I, did, I did get in. I did get into. You did it a get into it, but Thursday. we did have to cut it short. So, uh, what were the teams that we did have? The Minnesota Twins, Twins Cleveland Browns, the Mariners, Mariners, Toronto Raptors. Uh, was that it? I feel like there was one from more. when you were from here. When you but were when here, I yeah. think from when, from when we you played, were, it was like it was the Raptors, it was the Cavs, it was the uh, oh the Cavs. <gasps> I wasn't here for the Cavs. Uh, yeah. No. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So here, how about this, Evan? Give us, like, three more before we go to break so Matt right. can do it on air. All right, all right, all right. God, all right. I love you. All right. See, I'm trying, trying to think the ones I didn't say. Put it on all the right, spot. let's go with the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. Um, Joe Carter. Joe Carter. Doc Holliday. Roy Halliday. Mm-hmm. Carlos Delgado. No, Carlos, no, 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 not yeah, Carlos not Delgado. Delgado. Wait, wait a second, wait a second. Not wait Carlos second. Delgado. Oh, um... I will go. Okay, ready? Here we go. Mm-hmm. Roy Halladay, Joe Carter. I will go with Paul Molitor. No, 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 no. No, he's more Milwaukee Brewers. No, no. I'm thinking of. Oh my say, God! You want to say Vladdy? Vladdy Jr. already? Roberto mm-hmm. Alomar. Roberto, Alomar, that's, that's a good what, one. That's Alomar. what I was going to say. That's what I'm looking for. And right Vladimir now. Guerrero Jr. Jr. That's what I would go with. The pass, like, like Roy Halladay, I think, is the greatest player in Toronto sports history. But, so, Roy Halladay, definitely. Yes. I think that Joe Carter, Joe Carter had the biggest moment in Toronto sports history. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kawhi would have something to say about that, too. But I was we'll just going to say, like, maybe. But, um, Roberto Alomar was, was big in, for when they won the World Series. I, that's what I was And thinking. then, Vladdy Jr.'s their future. I was looking at, uh, remember when we made the list of the top 10 Toronto athletes? Remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Back yeah. in my notes, but Roberto Alomar was the one I was thinking of. All right, yes. so, so are, are you in agreement with that matter? Yeah, it's fine. All right, next team, we'll go to the NFL, and I will say the, oh, we did the Buffalo Bills. I know that. We did the we Bills. We did the Bills, We did, the Bills. Yeah. Did, we do the, we did not do the Dolphins. We'll do the Dolphins. Oh, God. Dan Marino. Dan Marino. Marino. Brian Greasy, or Bob Greasy, whichever Bob one it was. Bob Greasy. Bob Greasy. Larry Zonka. Larry Zonka. I wouldn't. Not Larry Zonka. No. Oh, wow. No. All right, so I would probably go... Members of that no-name defense. Don Shula. Don Shula. Don Shula would count if we were doing coaches. We're not? But no. I thought it was just people. No, I think... No, it's players. <gasps> wow, okay. The four most important players. All right, so Dan All right, Marino. All right, so definitely Dan Marino, definitely Bob Greasy. 
Not Larry Zonka, really. I wouldn't know. Because I, right. I don't think of Larry Zonka when I think of Miami Dolphins. Like, I think of Marino when I think of Bob Greasy. I don't think of Larry Zonka. Ricky Williams? Ricky Williams, That might be. Maybe. 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 I would go, okay. Zach Thomas. No, here, here we go. Zach Thomas is interesting. Here we go. Zach Thomas, maybe. Here's, okay. Bob Greasy, Dan Marino, and Dominican Sue. Uh, what? And Ryan Tannehill. That's an ugly list. Why is that ugly? What about Jason Taylor? Ooh, Taylor, take yeah. out Sue and put in Taylor. Jason Taylor? Right. Yeah, Jay, I forgot about Jason right. Taylor. Yeah, yeah I'd, that, I'd was, that Dan, was a big one. I'd probably say Dan Marino, Larry Zonka, Bob Greasy, and Jason Taylor. All right. All right That's okay. fair. Let's go to baseball. I know we did the we did the I think we did the Astros. Yeah, we did the Astros. Yes, yes, we did. Me, yes, me we did. Man. We'll go with the uh, Chicago Cubs. Ooh, that's good. Ernie Banks. Yes, Ernie Banks. Ron Santo. I, okay, here we go. I would go Ernie Banks. Um, Ron Santo? No. Ernie Banks. Derek Lee. Sosa? Ooh, Sosa. I'd say Sosa. Rawls Chapman? That's no, not Chapman. I, that's Chapman. weird. I was thinking Chapman, maybe. Not Chapman. I mean, what the? You, I know you're saying more important guy. You know, the Abbey Road list is more. Actually, no. If we're going cause of this of this era, the one that 2016 that won the World Series, I'd say Chris Bryant. I was going to say Chris Bryant. No, I was going to take out all this Chapman. I was going to put. Bryant. I was going to put two of them. I was going to put Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo. Both of them. Yeah, sure. I was going to put yeah. Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Ernie Banks, Banks. and not, now that you got me thinking about Sosa, Sosa? Prob- probably Sammy Sosa. Mm-hmm. Instead of Derek Lee, because yeah, I would say so. I was I thinking like too. that mid two thousands time when they were really good, yeah. but could never get over the with hump. Dusty, and Derek, with Dusty Baker, right? And Derek Lee just couldn't. Like Derek Lee was their best player. They had Kosuke Fukudome yeah. and Giovanni Soto was their catcher. Soto, yeah. They had a good team then. They just oh, couldn't Lou get Pinella, over. Oh, Lou Pinella, actually. You're thinking, Aramis, I was thinking Lou Pinella too. Yeah, Aramis Ramirez. Aramis Ramirez. Yeah, I was thinking of uh, yeah. 2002, 2003 with Dusty Baker. Yeah, 2006, 7, 8. Yeah, that was Lou Pinella, right? All right, go ahead. All right, we'll stick with Major League. Actually, we'll go to the NBA. We'll go to the NBA. And when we did the Cavs, oh, Golden State Warriors. Okay, ready? That's so funny because when we were thinking of this, I was gonna say like the Warriors would probably the, would probably be the team where I would think. Could we say that three of them are Steph Clay and Draymond? No. Can you say- Durant, really? is Durant is Durant no, one of them? No, no, Durant's no. not one of them. Durant Steph is not. and Clay are definitely two. Steph and Clay are definitely yeah, two. Steph, I'd say Cur- Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Rick Barry, probably. Rick Barry, and then probably like... What, Iguodala? No. Probably like Nate Thurmond. Really? Probably Nate Thurmond. Or... We're not counting like Wilt, right? No, 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 no. Totally different. Chris Mullen. Chris yeah, Mullen. there you go. Chris Mullen. There you go. Run Rick, CMC. Rick Barry, Chris Mullen, Stephen Clay. Okay. Even though you're going to have to make the argument for... Um, um, Durant, Draymond? No, no. Who played with Chris Mullen? Hardaway? Well, yeah, it's Tim Hardaway. Like, I don't know. There was Baron Davis, too. Like, there's a bunch of those yeah, guys. Yeah, but he didn't play with Chris Mullen, though. Jason Very Richardson, good. like a yeah. bunch of guys like that. Yeah, right. So we did one. So we do. You said four, right? We've done an NFL team, an NBA team, and a Major League Baseball team. We'll go back to the NFL. All right, this is the last one. Well, we were just talking about them, the Oakland Raiders. 
Bo Jackson. Whoa. Whoa. Kenny Stabler. Kenny Stabler. Mm-hmm. Um, Willie Willie Brown. Willie Brown. Eh. Eh. Um, oh my gosh. The safety. The safety. Um, Atkinson. I don't know. I would probably put Rod Woodson over him. Rod, mm-hmm. oh, okay, Rod Woodson's a good one. So I would. I, I, okay. So I'll go. I will go. Bo Jackson, Kenny Stabler, Kenny Stabler. Rod Woodson, and. Uh, I'd love to say John Gruden, but <laughs> I can't say John Gruden. Can we say Al, um, can we say Al Davis? I know. No, I know we cannot. Players, say, we can't say Al Davis. Um, Even though Mr. Davis was is was incredible. Say so was John Madden. We could have said John Madden, Madden. too, but Jim, I would go. How about Jim Plunkett, the quarterback of those two? The, he was the court. The stable was the quarterback of, the, of their first Super Bowl team. Jim Plunkett was the quarterback of their next two. Can we say Jim Plunkett? Nope. Oh, um, Dave Casper. Casper. No. I, I, I know, I know. I, Dave Casper is up there, but no. Dave Casper is up there, but no. I, uh, I would go... Huh. Oakland Raiders. Charles Woodson was there towards the end of his career. I think we know. Yeah, but Charles Woodson, I think, is more towards the Packers than the Raiders. No, yeah, I know, but I'm just saying. You guys ready for Even this? Even though he finished his career with the Raiders. You guys ready for this? Go for it. <laughs> Go for it. What are you going to say, Jerry Rice? Jerry Rice? No, Tim Brown. Antonio Brown. Oh. Uh, and the only reason. Uh, uh, you guys know how. We got all, this, we got all these Raider know. receivers. Tim Brown, you guys, Branch, Fred Blitnikoff. No, uh, look, I get it. it Blitnikoff should be on there, too, but. I'm telling you right Sebastian now. Janikowski? Sebastian Janikowski. Sebastian Janikowski. All right, wow. I'm going to have to rework Le- my Shane whole Leckler, list. Shane Leckler. Shane Leckler. Oh, I might really have to one. rework my whole uh, list. I got no, uh, All right, so here's what I'll do. Sebastian Janikowski. All right, Kenny really Stabler. Kenny Stabler, Bo Jackson. I'm going to take out Rod Woodson and Antonio Brown. I'm going to I am going to put Sebastian Janikowski. That's a really good one. And Fred Bolitnikoff. George Blanda. How's George, that? George Blanda. I can't forget, can't forget about George Blanda. Fred Bolitnikoff, I think, is the guy. Wow. So, what's your four? Blitnikoff, Rod Blitnik- Woodson. Blitnikoff, Woodson, Janikowski, Janikowski, Bo Jackson, and Kenny Stabler. Okay. That's, that's the thing one. with the Raiders. There's, I know the Raiders. They have, have a rich they history. Have, they do it. That's the thing. They despite, have a rich history. Despite the fact the last close to two decades now have been a mess, they, they, they have a rich, they, like you said, they have a rich history. They have a pretty darn good rich history. All right. So, today's going to be fun. The next hour is going to be full of good stuff. Do you feel a little better, Matt? You got to play it. It's a big thing off my shoulders, yeah. Yeah, and you got to play it on air, which is different. It's great. Play it on air. Top of the hour. It is noon here on the Haystack. So, young quarterbacks, what will their future look like? That's coming up next here in the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the Haystack Show. With Mike Guido. And it's hour number two here on the Haystack of the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's noon here on a Monday. iHeart, tune in WorldWideSportsRadio.com. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer, our Big J journalist, Matt Catarizzolo. Good to have you in. Hour two. Matt feels a lot better because he got to play the... 
Abbey Road game that we so rudely got cut off with on Thursday. So um, I would say he's a pretty happy fellow. It was good. I liked it. I Did you like it? Did it live up to your expectations? Listen, I loved the concept. I, I loved the concept when we when you first came up with it, and I was I was yeah I was disappointed when we only got through like I think it was like four on Thursday. And well, we didn't get honestly, any of them. Honestly, in. we didn't get any of them. Yeah, because the, the, didn't get the, any of them. Right, right as we were about to start, everything just ah oh, that's so unfortunate. Stupid. Cut. All right, so here's what we're gonna do to start the hour. So I gave a list last week. Of the young quarterbacks that I believe in, 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 the, in the order in which I believe, that, uh, believe in them. So, if you don't remember, from one to eight, one being I believe in them the most, it was Darnold, Baker, Daniel, uh, Jones. Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, and then it was Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Rosen. So, in this order, from eight to one, it's going to go the other way. Evan's going to throw me a quarterback, and I'm going to give you the... Guy that I think his career is most going to mirror. So here we go. All right. So number eight on your list was Josh Rosen playing the preseason game the other day against uh, with Miami. Played pretty well. Played pretty well. So Josh Rosen at number eight. All right. So 55% completion percentage. He went three and ten last year. 11 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, threw for just under 2,300 yards. Uh, In 13 games started, he played 14. I'm going to say this. His skill set reminds me a lot of Matt Ryan. But his career outlook, I think he's going to look a lot a lot more like Mike Glennon. I just I don't think his situation calls for him having success. We're going to look back on Josh Rosen, I think. And we're going to see, we're going to look back on him as maybe the most screwed over player in NFL history. I really do believe that. I think this kid could be really good, but I don't think his opportunity is ever going to come. I really don't. And it's a shame because the kid's talented, but he reminds me a lot of Matt Ryan, but his career outlook reminds me more of somebody like Mike Glennon, just career backup his whole career. Number seven, Lamar Jackson. Lamar, I think, is... I'm more optimistic about Lamar Jackson than a lot of people are. I really am, and I find it surprising that I am. 58% completion percentage for 1,200 yards. He played in 16 games, but he only started in seven. Six touchdowns, three interceptions. Okay, so here we go with this. Lamar Jackson, I think, is going to be very Michael Vick, and I think... There are. There's going to be a season or two of Lamar Jackson's career where we're he's going to be in the MVP conversation. I really do believe that because he's going to have a he's going to have one or two outstanding years in this league where the Ravens are going to be Super Bowl contenders and all of these different things. I don't know if he'll ever eclipse that. Like I don't think he'll ever like Michael. V- the reason I'm saying Michael Vick is Michael Vick is maybe the greatest mobile quarterback ever, right? He didn't uh, really get... Well, when you think of mobile... I shouldn't say greatest mobile quarterback ever. He's the guy... You're saying, if you're saying mobile quarterback, well, what, who's, is Russell Wilson a mobile Russell quarterback? Will, yeah, no, I would take Russell Wilson over, over yeah. Michael Vick. But, I'd take his career over Michael no, Vick No, but a guy so that, that's, so more, that's so much more relies on his legs. Right. 
I think it would be... Vic had a cannon, though, too. Like, Vic had a really good arm. Yeah, but so does Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's got a cannon. It's just he's pretty awry with it. So I would say give me Michael Vick for his comparison and his career outlook. I think he's a good player that's going to have a couple of great years, but he's never going to have too much postseason Super Bowl so success. does he elevate the Ravens to get to a place where they want to go? I well, Could they rely on him? I think eventually they could. Give him time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, give him, give him a little bit. All right, number six, Josh Allen. He surprised a lot of people this year. Yeah, with his legs. Not really with his arm, though. He had a very poor year with his arm. He started 11 games, played in 12, 53% completion percentage. That's putrid. That's 60, putrid. I think like a 67 passer rating, I think it was. His... Well, yeah, his passer rating was 67.9. A little over 2,000 yards through 10 touchdowns through 12 picks. Josh Allen is very interesting because the arm talent is so crazy with his arm strength. He's just, uh, he's not precise with the football whatsoever. That's... He, is, he is very skill set wise. You guys are going to maybe think I'm crazy. He's very Brett Favre, but Ooh, career... That's the comparison I thought you were going to give to Baker. That's what I've heard a lot no. of people say about Baker. No, Baker's more accurate. Baker's more accurate well, than Brett Favre. Brett Favre used to squeeze some darts into some pretty I, tight windows. I know, but Baker Mayfield's going to have a 70% career right. completion percentage. So, okay, I that, would, Then I think I, I do know who you're going to see. I would say, say Brett Favre, Brett Favre, I think, is his player comp. His career outlook is going to be very, like, Carson Palmer-ish. Okay. Like, he's going to he's gonna have some success, and he's going to be a very average quarterback for the rest of his career. He's not going to get over the hump. Right. Okay. He's going to have a lot of talent, but he's never going to be a superstar. All right, I can see that. Number five, Dwayne Haskins. Ooh, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, I'm going to say this, and, and I've compared him to this too because I think he's way more of a spitting image than a lot of people think. Dwayne Haskins last year at Ohio State 70% completion percentage through 50 touchdowns and 8 picks at Ohio State. 50 touchdowns and 8 picks and he threw for almost 5,000 yards. He had a Patrick Mahomes type season last year for Ohio State. No, he was great. It's like the best quarterback performance in Ohio State football history. I think he is a more accurate Big Ben. That's what I think Dwayne Haskins is. I think there are going to be seasons where Dwayne Haskins is going to light the world on fire. Just give him him receivers. Give Dwayne Haskins some really nice receivers, and I think he's going to be very good in this league. Very good. I don't know if Washington is the spot where he's going to flourish. I think he could win a Super Bowl. I really do. In Washington? If they do the right things, yeah. I really look. uh, Washington has done a really nice job at building a roster. It's just they don't have... Well, their defense improved a lot. Their their front seven is one of the best in the league. Yeah, their front seven is nice. Signing Landon Collins was another good signing. Right, they have a decent secondary. I'm not worried about their defense. It's who's going to be making plays for them on offense, and they have a rookie quarterback, which is why I don't think they're going to be very good Well, their running back depth chart is as deep as anyone in the league. I know, but it's so... If Jordan Reed can stay healthy, he is a 
he is a top six tight end. Would you agree with that? Or, yeah. Yeah, I'd say he's a yeah, top Jordan six Jordan Reed's end. just never on the field. And, and, and like... Paul, like, who else do they have? Like, Paul Richardson... But that's the like thing. Catching the Josh Doxson, exactly. and Paul Richardson, yeah, and lost Crowder to the Jets. They, yeah, they they lost Jamison Crowder. All right. And their running back depth chart is all right. Aging Adrian Peterson and okay Samaj P Ryan, Dar- Darius guys who's coming, coming off an ACL coming tear. off an ACL tear. They just Bryce, have a lot of they, questions. They you know draft, what I mean? They drafted Bryce Love. Yeah, Bryce Love, who was great in college, but kind of had a down year, and his stock really kind of fell. He didn't test well. So I don't know. Uh, well, they big like Chris, they big like Ben Chris, for Dwayne Haskins. Chris Thompson, right? Still, Chris Thompson. Yeah, still there. he's never going to get any touches though. His, I think he's done. Well, I'm saying there's there's enough for everybody. That's why when we're talking about help for Haskins, then I think he has it at least in the backfield. You know, receiving wise, maybe not. Get him a couple receivers. Right. I think it's desperate. Pro- listen, I think they have the same problem as the Jets. You know, they get they're they're one star receiver away from being like. Oh, oh wow. Okay. I don't know if they they're one-star receiver. I think Doxson's a three. I think Richardson's a four. They need they need, they need, need a couple of good ones. All right, what's next up? Kyler Murray, number four, and I'm expecting a Russell Wilson here for this one. No. No. No, I do not think it's going to be Kyler Murray. Uh, it's going to be Russell Wilson. I do, however, think. I see Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. I, I, that's the thing is I don't see Russell Wilson because Kyler Murray runs more than Russell Wilson does. So I'm going to go ahead and say, how about, huh, really should have had this written down. (laughs) I really should have. I don't know why I didn't. How about, let's do... All right. How about how about we've never seen a quarterback this here's, small? Here's what I'll give you. And this mobile and this. I'm gonna go a little bit off base here. I'm gonna go rookie year RG three in a more creative offense. That's what I see out of Kyler Murray. Like imagine RG three with a coach like Sean McVay. That's what I think is gonna happen with Kyler Murray. Griffin had the Shanahan's Mike and, Mike okay. and Kyle. Right. So I more creative offense first year RG three. That's a Super Bowl or two. I, I really do. Uh, give this kid a couple of years and some weapons. The Cardinals are serious. They have They're a, serious. They have weapons now. They have good weapons now. I know. I, I Let those like, guys develop. Yeah, and, that's what I'm saying. Like, give them a year or two. Give them an offensive line. Yeah, give them an offensive line. Well, that's the thing. Offensive line, big time. Yes. With a, yeah, and with a, but with a quarterback like Kyler Murray, you can kind of get by with a, a below-average offensive line. If it will, if has to do, if it, and saying below average for the for the Cardinals is being nice. And like Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray is more accurate with the football than RG three ever was. That's facts. But listen, but but Deshaun Watson's the pretty mobile quarterback, and the, the Texans went eleven and five last year with statistically the thirty second ranked offensive line, and Deshaun Watson was the most sacked quarterback in football last year. Right. But they still went eleven and five. They still won games. They were still productive. They still scored points. Right. You know. So I'm saying like there there's. There's more to focus on than just getting. If you have a quarterback that can get it done outside the pocket, like take Russell, take Deshaun Watson, give him a better arm, and give him faster, fresher legs. That's Kyler Murray. Number three, Daniel Jones. You ready? You're gonna say it, aren't you? It's Eli Manning. It's Eli Manning. Eli. It's Eli Manning. But I will say this: I think Daniel Jones is better physically than Eli ever was. I think he's faster. I think he's got a stronger arm. 
I think Daniel Jones is a better version of Eli. I think he's a better runner than Eli. So give me postseason success, career outlook for Eli Manning. I think Daniel Jones, this is going to be really crazy for you, for you guys to think. From what I see, two Super Bowls for Ooh. Daniel Jones. I and, like and this fans, kid. And Giants fans will sign up for that. I like this kid. I really do. So give me Daniel Jones as a Eli Manning, a better version of Eli Manning. Wow. Number two. Wouldn't that be nice? Number two, Baker Mayfield. Uh, I think he is a, throughout his career, he's going to be compared to him, size, accuracy. Drew Brees. Drew Brees. And... Maybe even career success is Drew Brees. Only one Super Bowl for Drew so far. But just wacky numbers, like five, 5,000 yeah, yards. Yeah, I don't like, think he's ever going to be as accurate. Like, he's never going to have a 75% completion percentage. Right. But he could have a bunch of 68, 69, 70s. Right. You know what I mean? So, Baker Mayfield, strong arm. He's yeah, he's a little bit more athletic and Drew like, Brees. you want to talk about help? Like nobody in the he's league got a has lot more of help. help than Baker. But arm right strength was comparable to what Breeze had early in his career. I, I think Baker's going to age well. I really do. I think Baker's going to age well. So Drew Brees for me. Number one, Sam Darnold. Oh boy, Sam Darnold's really unique because he doesn't really mirror anybody. Like he's not like you can't pick a guy in pro football and say, "All right, that's what Sam Darnold's going to be." I feel like you really can't do that. Well, what but about, he has like, a lot of... What was his ceiling comps? Okay. I'm going to say... Because I, I think this guy's going to have a great career. And I think we're going to be talking about Sam Darnold the next few years the way that we talk about this guy. So valuable to his team, Andrew Luck. Okay. I think he's going to have incredible career aspirations. I think Andrew Luck's going to win a couple of Super Bowls. Well, oh, I think Sam Darnold's going to be that guy, that's too. I was actually looking up on NFL.com when they when he did the um, – when when all the players do the uh, the combine stuff. NFL, NFL.com puts, like, the player combo, their, their profiles and stuff. Yeah. His comparison, Sam Darnold's comparison was Andrew Luck. Wow. That was his comparison. Yeah. He's got, he's got some Andrew Luck in him. And he's not exactly like Andrew Luck, but – because Andrew Luck, I think, had really special arm talent. Sam Darnold doesn't have that. Darnold's but good. Sam Darnold, I think, knows how to manage the football game better than Andrew Luck does. Now, High football now, IQ. and I mean Andrew Luck, six, seven years in the league, I think Sam Darnold's better than him in year two as far as managing a football game. Well, Andrew Luck, yeah, Andrew Luck in year two. Uh, I'm just going by the statistic. I know this is a mag- smart I kid. I know you're saying magic, I know you're saying magic a football, football team, but... Uh, Second year statistics for Andrew Luck, 60.2 completion percentage, 3,822 yards, 23 touchdowns, 9 picks, a passer rating of 87. I think Darnold's going to be a little bit more accurate than that. Mm. But that, there we go. Good list. Luck's rookie year in 2012, uh, 54 completion percentage, 23 touchdowns, 18 picks, uh, 65, uh, 76.5 passer rating, 23 touchdowns, 18 picks. That was his rookie year. Right. All right. So that's that list. Andrew Lux rookie here. That's a good one. I like that a lot. All right, so coming up next, I've got a list of teams that I think this preseason is crucially important. These are the teams I need to take the preseason very, very seriously. I'll tell you who that is next. Taystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the world. 
Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And good to have you back here on a Monday, Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. Our big J journalist, Matt Catarizzola. Good to have you in. So I think every year in the preseason, every team needs to take a different amount of seriousness into that preseason. Okay, so for a team like, spoiler alert, New England's not on the list. New England does not necessarily need to have a dynamite preseason. It's whatever. They've got Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. They'll make it work. Whatever, you know. So... I think there are 10 teams in the league that need to take the preseason more seriously than others. It's more crucial for them. So here we go. Number 10. Number 10 is Evan, the Baltimore Ravens. I think this is a very important preseason for them. First of all, you got to get Lamar Jackson right. You got to figure out what works for him, what doesn't. You got to figure out what plays suit his style of play and what don't. Secondly, you've got to find weapons for him. You're going to have to find him through the dirt. You didn't really find him through the draft. You drafted Hollywood Brown, who I like Miles, a lot, actually. Miles Boykin, who is apparently who is actually doing pretty well right now at trade camp. Now, unfortunately, right. there is some injury concern going on right now with Hollywood Brown. He just came back from an injury, practiced for a bit, and he was actually mispracticed again today. So there is some injury concerns right now going on with Hollywood Brown. I think, I think he'll be fine. Like I said, I, I think you need to address that. And you also need to see how these newer defensive players fit in their oh, of roles. Course, of course, you've got to you've got to figure out after losing C.J. Mosley, after losing Zadarius Smith, losing Terrell Suggs, Weddle. losing Eric Weddle. You you have to figure out. You know, Earl Thomas is not going to be playing a lot of preseason games, but this preseason for him is really important. You've got to figure out how you can implement him into a system defense. And you've got to figure out which pass rushers work. That's right? my biggest Matt concern. Matt Judon and guys like that, you're going to need to figure out where these guys fit. So the Baltimore Ravens are number 10. That's my biggest concern. Someone else other than Matt Judon has to step up in the pass rush, pass rush department because the secondary is going to be fine. Humphrey, Thomas, Jefferson, um, Jimmy Smith, Brandon Carr, uh, uh, Tavon Young. Oh, the secondary is going to be really good. Marlon Humphrey. Yeah, Marlon Humphrey. The secondary is going to be really good. It's that pass rush. It's that front. In the Are they going to be able to get after it? Right. Exactly. Other than Matt Judon. All right, so number nine is the Miami Dolphins. This is very important. Okay. You traded a second-round pick for Josh Rosen. You need to figure out quickly, and you need to spend all of this year trying to figure out if Josh Rosen is your future. If he isn't, you've got to kind of get on that pretty quick. You do. Don't toy around with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Get Josh Rosen in there and see if he works. Really try to analyze what the problem is in your organization, whether it's going to be coaching with Brian Flores, whether it's weapons, whether it's your defense, whatever. Diagnose the problem and try to go forward fixing it. This is a very important year for that. You got to figure out. You're going to have the number one, number two, number three pick in the NFL draft this year, and this quarterback class is loaded. Okay, Justin Herbert, Jake Fromm, two attack of Iloa. You're going to have guys like that at the top of this draft, and if you get the number one pick, you know you're going to be tempted to take Tua. So don't leave yourself with a question mark: Is Josh Rosen your future, or is he not? 
That's number nine. Number eight is the Dallas Cowboys. You got to figure out what's gonna what you're gonna do in the running in the running game. I, Tony Pollard, I like him. Can he do it? Maybe. You got to figure that out. Alfred Morris, guys like that. What are you gonna do with that? And you got to pay all your guys. Dak has to get paid. Amari Cooper got to get paid. Jalen Smith got to get paid. Byron Jones got to get paid. You paid Demarcus Lawrence already. And secondly, on top of that, you have to figure out if Kellen Moore is good at this whole offensive coordinator thing. <laughs> is this the job for him? You've got to make sure that that's a thing. And is Jason Garrett going to be your head coach? He who shall not be named. Is he going to be your guy? Because, and the Cowboys got to figure this out, and they got to figure it out quick. This is a big year, right? You've got everybody on the cheap so far. You've got to figure out what you're going to do. But most importantly, you got to figure out what you're going to do at running back. Also, Philly is looking to have a big bounce back year. I think that's that's probably the biggest expectation for a lot of people in the right. NFL this year, that the Eagles are going to be fully back this year. Right. And compete. All right, number seven is the Washington Redskins. I think this is very important for them just because they have a rookie quarterback. Dwayne Haskins, you've got to figure out who you're starting week one. If it were me and I have confidence that Dwayne Haskins is ready, I would start Dwayne Haskins week one. On top of that, you got to figure out what you're going to do with wide receiver, and you got to get your young running back some uh, some reps. Matt just said it before. Darius Geis coming off the ACL. You've got to see if he can run it. Same thing with Samaj P. Ryan or Bryce Love, any of these other young running backs that you've got. You've got to figure those out as well. Get Landon Collins implemented into this defense. There's a lot of things you got to do. A lot of things you got to do. Important offseason here for the Washington Redskins. Preseason, I should say. Number six is the Oakland Raiders. Figure out what the hell's going on with Antonio Brown. Just do it. Okay. If you got to cut him, cut him. <laughs> I really don't care. I really don't. You gave a third-round pick for him. Big deal. I, 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 I don't know what else to tell you. Okay. John Gruden needs to take control of the franchise with these players. And I think he has for, for the most part. But gaining some stability... Okay, gaining some functionality. It is very hard to obtain that with big personalities. And on top of that, are we really going to question if Derek Carr is their future quarterback? Because I think he is. But the Raiders don't seem so sure. Make sure you figure that out. All right, number five is the New York Jets. And I think... They could be ranked higher, but I think they've done such a good job in the offseason improving their roster that I think it gets a little bit less important. So Le'Veon Bell, I think, makes their offense a ton better. Jamison Crowder does the same thing. They've improved the offensive line. I love Joe Douglas as their GM, and I love Sam Darnold at quarterback. Continue the development. You've got a great young QB. It's crucial that he works. You've got to get him working. Adam Gase, new system, all of that stuff. Get it going. Get it going. And by the way, Quinn and Williams, I think right now, is my favorite football player in the entire league. Seriously, he's the funniest player in the league. Oh, he's awesome. He's the coolest. It's like playing Madden, but like Ian Madden. He's he's the best. He's a rock star. People are going to love him. I love that kid. Number four, Cleveland. The Cleveland Browns. They got it figured out, right? Baker. And all these personalities, Freddie Kitchens, Odell, Jarvis Landry, uh, whatever, you've got to figure it out, right? 
this is a very disciplined organization. I love John Dorsey in the front office. Is Baker going to behave? Is Odell and ba- are Odell and ba- Baker going to be able to get along? It's all of this stuff. Brand new system. High expectations. Buckle it down. Regain focus. And get that underway. Cleveland's number four. Number three. The Pittsburgh Steelers. No Le'Veon Bell, no Antonio Brown. James Washington, Deontay Johnson, whoever the hell else you got at wide receiver. <laughs> Aside from Juju Smith-Schuster, you got to figure out what you're doing at wide receiver. James Washington looked really good, too. He does. I like that kid a lot. So are you going to get production out of those guys? And your defense is going to be very interesting to watch. Devin Bush I thought was a great get. What are you going to do at corner? All of these things kind of have to wrap up in what you're going to do going forward. You're without star players. Get Big Ben reps with these new guys so you go. You don't miss a step. Pittsburgh's number three. And Joe Hayden, you talked about the secondary. Joe Hayden recently hurt his ankle in practice. Number two is the New York football giants. Uh, Daniel Jones, I think, is the future of this franchise. I really do. I love what I saw from him in week one. But how are the Giants going to feel about moving off of Eli Manning? Look, it, you got to figure out if Daniel Jones is going to start for you week one. If he's going to start for you week one, you got to make it known that he will. Or if he's going to start at all this year, you got to prep him for that. Make sure you do that. I'm serious. Fix your offensive line. Get some receivers. You know, you got to kind of. And what I would do, truthfully, this year, I would limit Saquon Barkley's carries. I know he's going to get a lot of touches, and I know they're going to try and win football games. But if the Giants are smart, I would not give Saquon Barkley any more than, like, 15 carries a game. I really wouldn't. Don't give him any more than 15 carries a game. Conserve his career. Let him play, but conserve his career. So 15 carries, six, seven catches? Yeah, I, I really wouldn't be too heavy with him. I really wouldn't. Don't give him 30, 35 touches well, a game. That's, that's ridiculous. If he gets 15 carries, you're going to get a lot of people say, you got to give him more. He needs he needs about 20 to 23 carries or so. Yeah, why, but that's my thing. Why? Are you winning? Yeah, you got to give him touches. Chance. You got to give him touches. You got to give him touches to win. You're not winning this year at all. You're one of the worst teams in football. So... Preseason, very important. Get Daniel Jones comfortable. Get this defense right. You know what I mean? You've got, like Matt said before, you've got a decent young secondary, DeAndre Baker, guys like Sam Beal, Corey Ballantyne. You've got guys like that. So make sure they're comfortable in this system that they get reps. That's number two. And number one, I think it's clear Arizona. Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, they got to make sure that that dynamic works. Because if it doesn't, boy, are you going to hear it. (laughs) ESPN, us, Fox Sports, everybody. Every outlet you're going to see, every journalist, all the fan bases, you're going to hear it if Cliff and Kyler don't work out. You're number one. And that's the sole reason. That's it. Wide receiver development. You've got to get that going underway. Is David Johnson going to be back? Kyler Murray and Cliff. That's the main focus. So that's the list. 10 to 1. The teams with the most important off-seasons. Pre-seasons, I should say. Any disagreement? 
Anybody I leave off? Um, Bengals? Nah. New head coach. Bengals or whatever. Of, kind of a make-or-break season for Andy Dalton. No A.J. Green. You know, their defense needs to improve a lot from last year, which was I think it's a make-or-break really season for Andy Dalton anyway. I, I agree with that. You know, yeah, it's a make-or-break year. He's, but he's got, a new, he's got a new head coach, a new offensive. Well, how does Zach Taylor do? Coming, he's not, he wasn't a coordinator with the Rams. He was a quarterback coach with the Rams. I almost put Green Bay for that reason. But I don't know. I think, the, I think a lot of these teams are, are more needy. They're more needy. All right. Let's go to the news. Our Big J journalist, Matt Catarizzolo, here on a Monday. Hold on. Let me just get your music I'll for say you. I'm waiting for the cue. You're waiting for here. Here's your cue. Waiting for the cue. There you go. Here it is. A little nice. slow. I'm a little slow there. So, I like uh, this music better than the other one. This is good. This is good music. The OG music. It is. Cool. So this is... Uh, this is from Daniel Jones' first performance out in his preseason debut against the Jets. He went 5 for 5, 67 yards and a touchdown with a perfect 158.3 passer rating. So, uh, before the season started, which is still right now actually, uh, Coach Shermer and Gettleman both said that Eli is their day one starter and that there's no open QB competition. So, it's Eli is bona fide our starter. We're going with him. But after this performance from Jones, should the Giants maybe start considering having an open quarterback competition? Uh, yeah, well, I think it should be open. Like, I I would say, I told this to Evan on Friday, if Daniel Jones is ready to start week one, start him. Start him. I said the same thing about Baker, said the same thing about Darnold, okay, I... I don't think coaches should start your rookie quarterback just to start him, but don't sit him just to sit him. You know, so if they don't think Daniel Jones is ready, they got to season him a little bit more. Then start Eli. That's fine. But if Daniel Jones legitimately wins the job because he's ready to play, then play Daniel Jones. I have no problem with that. So yeah, I think it should be open, but only if you think Daniel Jones is ready. So, you think we're going to see Daniel Jones at any point this season? And uh, if so, yes, I do. I do. I think you're going to see him at some point mid-year. I do. Uh, Daniel Jones will like, be the starting give, quarterback of the Giants Eli, this year. I give Eli like eight games max. Seven or eight. Something like around here. Seven yeah. or eight games, like around the first half of the season, see where the Giants are at. But if they start off 0-4 again for like the third year in a row, I think it would be. Then I think they would make. Then I think that's when they say, "Okay, we gotta go with Daniel Jones now." Because zero and four for the third year in a row. Zero and four also means you're definitely, you're definitely, definitely, definitely not going there. They're not going to the playoffs. Because Eli's Eli's streak is already over, so like it's not like they're protecting anything anymore. Right. You know, McAdoo already ruined that. Yeah. So I mean, there's it's not really anything they're protecting. That was still ridiculous. That was the oh, pettiest gosh. move I've ever seen by a head coach. Anybody. Yeah. Ever. Gosh. Anybody in the history of sports. Uh, right. So with Kyler Murray, he he also went six, he went six for seven, forty four yards in his first possession. I've never really seen, you know. Okay, so with LeBron and how you know their organization is run through him and run around him, they make moves around him. Could we say that the Cardinals are kind of following a similar format? Hired Cliff Kingsbury after he was even fired by his alma mater at USC. Because they knew he was going to work well with Kyler Murray. Drafts Kyler Murray. Now, they're going to run an offense that is centered around Kyler Murray. 
Now, last listen, they drafted Josh Rosen last year. Didn't work out. They bring in, they, they fire Steve Wilkes. They bring in Kingsbury. They bring in Murray. And now, they're going to run this entire offense around him. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't really feel good about teams that are so reliant on one player, especially a rookie quarterback, an undersized rookie quarterback. But after this season, I think if we don't see success from Kyler Murray in after this season, if Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury is gone, I don't think he's going to get another coaching job in the NFL. Why would he? He doesn't have any credentials. He failed with his one big experiment with Murray. Well, do you think that Cliff is going to get fired after one year? No, that's what I'm saying. The first couple years, if we don't see any production from Murray, which is unlikely, but I'm saying if it does happen, then it's going to be bad. Yeah, he'd struggle to get another job. It's going to be bad. He could probably be an OC somewhere or quarterback coach somewhere. Professionally, you think? Yeah. But but truthfully, I think a lot of colleges... I think he could have those opportunities. I think he'd opt to go coach in college somewhere because I think the offer would be better. Like, he could be a head coach in college. He could probably be a quarterback coach or something in the NFL if he doesn't work in Arizona. Right. But I think he's going to work. I really do. I think Cliff and Kyler is going to be a really good dynamic. It's really, really creative. I like it. I hope it does because it's interesting. So, like, why not? Yeah. Like again, Look, I, I, I love the kid. Hey, give and I was thinking about this the other day too. If Cliff really works out with Kyler, this is going to go down as an all-time good move by Arizona. You realize that, right? Right. Yeah. If Kyler and Cliff work out, because not a lot of teams would move off a first-year head coach and a first-year quarterback just to do it again. Yeah. But if they do that, Arizona looks brilliant. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. But uh, but my point was, if they don't, they look really, really bad. It's right? a big risk. Like, really bad. Big risk, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. They're going all in on Kyler Murray and Kingsbury and their relationship. Yeah. And what they could potentially achieve. Oh, yeah. Oh, but, I hear you. But we don't know. You're right, we only, don't. Only time will tell. All right, that's the news. Our Big J journalist... Matt Catarizzolo here on a Monday. It is very Monday today. It's so Monday. It is very Monday today. All right. Uh, hour number three coming up next. I know Cowboy fans are panicking about paying Zeke. Don't worry. You still have the leverage. That's coming up next. Top of hour number three. It's one o'clock. You're in the haystack of the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the, 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 the Haystack Show with Mike Guido. It's Monday here in the haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network in hour number three. It's one o'clock. We're at iHeart. Tune in. WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Good to have you in here on a Monday. You want to get in on the conversation, 1-877-909-9977. That is 1-877-909-9977. Call us up. Join the conversation. Mike Guido, 
Evan Mazza, my producer, our Big J journalist, Matt Catarazzolo. Good to have you in. Still planning to cover today. So, due to the start of football season, every Monday we're going to have a segment like this. I'm going to call it Bold Prediction Monday. So at the end of every show, I will give you three new bold predictions. And I always say this. Sports are cyclical. So things change week by week by week by week. So you're going to see one week I'll say one thing, and maybe the next week it completely changes. But three bold predictions every single week. And we're going to see... And you know what? I'm going to have you do this, Evan. We're going to see how many of those actually hold up. As the season's going on? Yes. I'll keep track of them. I will keep track of them. Very good. Good boy. Arch nemesis. All right. I was about to say, I was waiting for arch nemesis. Arch nemesis. All right. So here's where I want to start. So the Dallas Cowboys lost their preseason opener against the 49ers in Santa Clara. And they didn't get much run production. Tony Pollard averaged about four yards a carry, and everybody else was kind of below that mark. And everybody that I see now is coming out and saying, see, the Cowboys absolutely need Zeke. They got to pay him. See, look, they can't win without him. Okay, slow down for a minute. Slow down for a minute. Nobody doubted that Zeke makes them a better team. Nobody doubted that Zeke makes that team better. But it doesn't change the fact that he's got two years left on his contract. It doesn't change the fact that he plays an invaluable position. It doesn't change the fact that he has no leverage. Look, Zeke will play because he has to play. He doesn't want it to look like the Cowboys don't need him. Does he really want to take that risk? Hmm, think about this for a minute. You know, in the regular season, you know, the the games that actually matter, the first three weeks for the Cowboys actually look pretty easy. Then we got the Giants at home, we've got the Redskins on the road, and then we play the Miami Dolphins in week three in Jerry World. Hmm, that sounds like 3-0 to me. With or without Zeke. Hmm. You know, and we know that NFL games don't go day by day. That they're, they're weekly. They happen once a week for, you know, per team, obviously. So you're seeing this now as, all right, for about a month, we're painting the precedent of, all right, we're, um, we're 3-0 without Zeke. That doesn't look good in Zeke's camp. Now, I will say that there is a difference between public opinion and what happens in the contract negotiations. I think sometimes they can intertwine, but they are two totally separate things. In the public eye, people like us, the guys that really analyze the game, are going to say, all right, well, they beat the Giants, they beat the Redskins, they beat the Dolphins, big deal. But if we really look back on it, the thing that we're going to remember is, the number. 3-0. Okay, Zeke doesn't want to be the guy that gets passed over. 
Zeke doesn't want to be the guy that takes the risk of judging how valuable he is. Because literally, for about a month, it's going to look like they don't need you at all. Their, their running game is going to be fine. Their record's going to be fine. They go 3-0 and in the first three weeks. It doesn't help your contract negotiations. It doesn't. So we really are going to look at this and say, okay, does he really want to take this risk? Especially if the Jones family isn't necessarily on your side. Let's just imagine for a second. Let's just imagine for a second that he comes back and plays and they go 3-0. and The perception of what happens completely changes. Ooh. Zeke comes back, they go 3-0 and in the first month. See? He helps them win. And Zeke can go to the Dallas Cowboys and say, look, you see this? I just helped you guys win three straight games, start the season 3-0. Pay me. Zeke can say that. Imagine if he doesn't play and they go 3-0. The conversation and the perception changes. It then becomes, Zeke, we, we won three games without you, dude. Here's our offer. Between 8 and $15 million. We already confirmed that you're going to be a top five paid running back in the league. So, and I know people are going to say, oh, but that's such a big range. I got news for you. It's going to be closer to 15 and 8. I think it's going to be around the $12, $13 million range. But I'm assuming that's the offer. Slide it over. Look, it, it's nobody else's fault but Zeke's. And you realize that all Zeke has to do is play, right? All he's got to do is play. And like I said, he's got two years left on his contract. He doesn't have any leverage. He doesn't have any. Time is working against Zeke. He's got to play one of these next two years. It might as well be this year, right? Might as well be this year. Hold out the year before you go out of free agency if you're gonna. Not two years in. You can't take two years off. Or else you become a has-been. You become a wannabe. You become a chance that somebody is taking. For, by the way, way less than what you were asking for. Look. It doesn't change the fact that running back is just not a very valuable position as far as the financials are concerned. It is not a fiscally responsible decision to pay running backs. It's just not. And we see it. We see it. Now look at what happens. If they do go 3-0 and and Zeke doesn't play, Zeke is not only doing a disservice to himself because he's devaluing himself, but he devalues his entire position. He devalues the entire... It, the argument then goes the other way. Any progress that you've made is completely wiped out. Completely. It's already been judged that you do not need a superstar, high-paid running back to win Super Bowls. You don't. 
So what is Zeke trying to accomplish? He's trying to become high paid. I understand. But in his head, he can't really believe that that's going to happen. He really can't. Especially for a guy like Zeke, who's got off-the-field issues up the wazoo. Yeah, he's productive, but he's a little bit of a headache. Him and Dak get along, but he's had his run-ins with law enforcement. And Do you really feel like the Cowboys should be comfortable paying that guy over $15 million a year? It just isn't responsible. And it isn't just with Zeke. It is with running backs. And I know everybody's panicking. Oh, the Cowboys got to pay Zeke. See, they can't run the football. They lost. Didn't get a lot of run production. I know. But the thing that you don't know is, is that Zeke's got to play. And that doesn't matter. The Cowboys' schedule at the beginning of the season is dreadfully easy. They go 3-0 and in the first month for about a month. We're not talking about how the Cowboys need Zeke. We're talking about how the Cowboys are surviving without him. And you do not want, especially if you're Ezekiel Elliott, you do not want that narrative to exist for too long. Okay. I told you, plenty of good stuff today. So... I want to move on to this. And we talked a little bit on Antonio Brown uh, earlier because I think he's a little bit of a nut. I really do. I, and I think his whole precedent is just completely crazy. He doesn't want – he will refuse to play. He will retire from the NFL if he cannot change his helmet, if he can't use his old helmet, instead of the NFL's new and improved, more protective helmet. Uh – What? Dumb. Immature. You're a 31-year-old dad. Grow up. Okay? You are not a pioneer. You're just an idiot. There's a big difference. And look, if I'm the NFL, Antonio Brown saying, listen, I'm going to hold you liable. If I, if I get hurt with this new helmet, you're going to be responsible for it. I'd be like, okay, fine. Use your old helmet. But don't come crying to me if you start waking up with headaches every morning. Look, we tried. Speaking in, on behalf of the NFL, we tried. We're trying to help you. But if you don't want it, that's cool with us. We're not the ones with the problem. You are. You, we don't want head injuries. But you're the one who it directly affects. Are we really going to do that? It blocks my vision. You realize you're the only guy making that claim, right? What if it was just your specific helmet? Get a new one. I'm sure the NFL would be happy to give you a new fixed helmet that doesn't have the same problem. Really. And if I'm the NFL, fine. Oh, and by the way, you know who looks really good in this situation? Big Ben. I think it's crazy. I really do. Uh, Crazy immaturity out of Antonio Brown. All right. Um, So I kind of want to have this conversation with you, Matt, because 
Um, Evan and I had this conversation on Friday with neither one of you here. Uh, so I think it applies in sports. And Evan knows exactly what I'm talking about. So the reason I was thinking about this was, and you get scared every time I say this, Paula and I were talking last night. And she is in an art class. She's in the same art class as our own Vinnie Mutone. And Fun. she's showing me paintings and pictures. And she's like, wow, look at this. I'm like, what is that? She's like, it's art. I'm like, really? So I, I, I feel like I'm a bad person for saying this because I don't understand abstract art. I am a guy that believes that it doesn't take a lot of talent to have. Ab- and, and, and I apologize to anybody who's listening that is like uh, huge into art. I just don't buy the whole abstract art thing. Like I can feel, I feel like I can throw paint splatter on a page and pass it off as something else. So I use the example of, okay, I'm going to take a water bottle and a tiny little Ritz cracker and put it on the table. And I'm going to take a picture of it on my table. And I'm going to pass it off as art that symbolizes hunger and poverty and struggle. But that to me, and I feel like an art critic would love it. And it got me thinking, like if we're talking about like Kevin Durant, because I feel like if you don't, if you, you take Kevin Durant and he wins two titles with the Golden State Warriors, he wins two finals MVPs. So he didn't really work that hard. He's never had more floor spacing in his career. He's never... You know, he's never gotten to, had to play. Uh, he's never gotten the opportunity to play with a guy like Steph, or shooters like Clay and Steph, or a coach like Steve Kerr. If you don't understand the parameters of what happens, I feel like you get a false narrative. So I feel like, am I crazy for not buying it? Like I feel like if you paint a picture of a bowl of fruit and it looks exactly like a bowl of fruit, it like it's a that's art to me. You get what I'm saying? Well. I think a big thing about art is, okay, so first of all, there's, there's a stigma attached to art where, yeah, people like you will say, like, oh, well, anything can be art, you know, this, this and that. But at the end of the day, art is, art, is, art, is art. art is subjective, art is interpretive, and there really is no clear-cut definition of what is considered art. So now, like, when you bring up yeah, I'll put a Ritz cracker next to a water bottle. Yeah, yeah, people people will, you know, conjure up some sort of deep meaning or emotional feeling attached to whatever right. that is. But it doesn't. But it necess- didn't take any effort for me to okay, do that. Okay, but yeah, like it doesn't make me an artist. I, I think I think the art itself is not exactly what you should be focusing on. Like like art art is the furthest thing from from that should be art. Art is the last thing that should be taken literally. So if you, if you, like, if I, I don't know, if I cut a piece of my hair off, right, and I put it on a plate and took a picture of that, you know, you'll find a thousand people that will find a thousand different things on what that could mean. But what did I do? I just put my hair on a plate. It's not like, right, it's not like I meant anything. My, right? But there are people that will find meaning in it. So oh, what, no, I what know might, that. So what might not be the same to you 
is different to other people. Oh, no. Look, I know that. What I'm saying is that I don't know how much talent that takes. Like, I, I don't I think it has like, anything to do with I feel like it's unfair. Talent, really. I feel like it's unfair to call that guy an artist because he does something like that. Well, look, everything, everything could be considered art. What we're doing right now is technically art. This is, like... Media talking. Evan this told is, me I might have an eye for art. This is like this is. Am I wrong though, Evan? This is not. No, I'm, I'm actually no. I'm, I'm actually on your side right here, yeah, man. See, I, this I'm is, kinda, I agree with you. With that this one. is considered art. There is there. Sure, but there's there's all art's different. Like, I said on Friday, art's like very. You have it's like there's a, there's a certain way that art teachers and arts look at things and say like wow yeah that's really creative like it, it takes like a certain like art is art it takes like a certain creative imagination in a way so like something like. Putting your hair on a plate or right. Ritz cracker in a water bottle. Yeah, it is very like creative. You know that is. But it isn't. But to, you know what I'm saying? Not on the surface. But to like, I am a guy that a look, lot of instructors. And okay, teachers. all right. But I'm a guy that believes that if it is not made in creativity, then it isn't creative. You get what I'm saying? If there was not a creative, like motive behind it. Like, if I just said, all right, I'm going to take a picture of that water bottle next to your laptop, and it symbolizes everyday work life, it took me no effort to do that. It's not creative or anything like that. I'm just throwing a meaning to make myself some money. Look, like I I said, it's not about what is on the surface, and and art should not be taken literally almost ever. I think what what needs to be considered, I, I feel like the artist is more important than the art, and if... That artist says, I, this, this painting or this sculpture or this drawing means, you know, A, B, and C, then we'd have really no choice but to believe them. So who are we to say that, like, no, that's not art. You're not allowed to call that art. You know, art is art is whatever the artist perceives as art. And I don't want to say, like... Do um, you like art, Matt? I mean, listen, I respect it. I don't, I don't, I'm not like you where I say, like, no, like, this is not allowed to be art. Like I, I, I'm just saying. I think the listen, talent lot, discrepancy listen, is big. Listen, listen there's a, listen. I, I hear you, and I respect your opinion, and I think there are people out there that will agree with you. But you know, you do have to consider that art is just different. There's there's thousands of different kinds of art, and yeah. and things that could be considered art. Like, but I, I mean, what I don't understand is like. Why you think that someone's not allowed to call something art? So I'm not saying that they're not allowed to call it art. What I'm saying is that I, like, what is? Uh, okay, I'll try to. I, I said there's. I'll no, try to clarify what I'm saying. There's no clear-cut definition for what art can be considered. Like, what's the difference? Like, my my main question is like, what is the difference between one painting that's got paint splatter on it? And another painting that's got paint splatter on it, but they're different colors. Uh, to me, it's see, just paint splatter. See, it's just paint. It's exactly. You know and, what I mean? Like, and like, do I, do I want to say? Do but I, that's my thing. That, to me, it takes no talent to do that at all. Physically, no, it doesn't. But I mean, look, you're, you're, you're analyzing it very, like, one-dimensionally. And what I mean by that is, like, oh, no, I, and I'm not saying like, oh, you're you uncultured swine. You're not allowed. You're not allowed to to think that that's not deeper than it is. Because I'll tell you, all five of us, the three of us, Paula and Vinny, should take a trip to an art museum, New York City, anywhere, and just and like 
take a look at art. All these, all those, all these pictures. Everything. Mike, 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 and see what, and see what, and see what every instructor, every teacher, every every view is telling us. Say what they see. Mike would go. There is a certain creativity to it. Mike would go. Oh wow, a square. That's interesting. And I'll be like, No, dude, it represents the dichotomy of communism. You know, see, like that. That's 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 people that you cube. You will. You will. But but you will find people that think like that. Look, and I'm not like dissing those people at all. I really am not. Yes, you are. You're saying they have no no talent. You're saying they have no talent. No, I'm saying that if I took a picture of a water bottle and a Ritz cracker on a page, that doesn't make me creative. That makes me bored. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't make me talented. If I'm able to take... I I said this to Evan the other day. If If I tried to paint or draw this cafe and I made it look exactly like this cafe... Exactly like it. That's talent to me. That to me is considered more artistic. Okay, but you get what I'm saying. You can't. You, you can't like determine whether something is art or not based on the degree of difficulty that it took to construct or create it. Okay. Okay. But that I can get behind. But you're saying that you're preaching the opposite. I'm not you're, preaching the opposite. Yeah, you know, you're saying, look, look, the, the, dipping a paintbrush into the thing and going like that is no. That's not difficult. No one's going to say it took guts for you to do that. No. But drawing every single detail of this cafe is hard. However, however, they are both technically considered art. Whether w- you like it or not, they're both technically considered art. Okay, but I'm going to say this. I, I want art to have a clear and concise message, right? So uh, the reason I'm bringing this up and, and – Paula yeah, I'm still, that, I'm still wondering how this all really, like, what, what the correlation here is. The co- well, it was kind of, it's kind of like the chicken thing that we talked about the other day. But um, it's kind what, of what, like... What chicken thing? How people eat 27 and a half oh, chicken. I just okay. kind of threw that out there just right. for something. It's interesting. But like, I like that conversation. But here's my exact thing, okay? Apparently art critics go to art critic school. They, they yeah, are, it's not. They you, take, can't, you can't. They just take say, classes you to become art critics. You can't just say this painting is bad and you're an art <laughs> critic. No, you, you need to. You, you, can't, you can't just. That's not. That's not a. That's not a real opinion <laughs> on a painting. This painting, is, this painting is not good. Like, that's not like that's like a, a food critic saying like this muffin is not tasty. Yeah, yeah. yeah this muffin is bad. Like no, that's no, not a thing. No, food critics need to have. Uh, they can't judge by taste. They have to judge by texture and uh, and and a critics, bunch of yeah. different things. But but my point is is that I feel like I could sit in a classroom because apparently art critics are taught what is actual art. With meaning behind it and what isn't. They can determine what that is. I feel like I could sit in a classroom with the smartest art people in the world for hours upon hours. And they still wouldn't be able to convince me. Because, like, uh, that's what I'm saying is if I look at a painting of a bowl of fruit, I can say, wow, that looks exactly like a bowl of fruit. That is incredible. I can never look at a piece of abstract art with a bunch of different paint splatters and everything like that and be just like, wow, that You're is You're really fixated on that, paint splatter, aren't you? That is <laughs> paint splatter, captivating. Paint splatter is so, like, such a small, like, division of, like, a subcategory of art is paint splatter. Well, look. Like, there's what a, so many different types well, of art. Well, I know. You can like, fixate shapes and you can do a bunch of different things. I, I, I get that. Different colors and, you know, you could. F- I, I don't know. You, you, you do a lot of different things. I'm just saying... 
Have you ever been to a museum? Like a real, of, like a of real. Course we all no. No. Of course, course I have. But like a real museum. Of course I have. And how, what, what was your like take on everything there? Did you have a good time? Did you enjoy it, or did you did you analyze and critique and criticize everything that you saw? No, I had a good I had a good experience because of the people that I was with. But, but I will say this: I was more impressed, and I was more like I felt. Co- I'll even say this: I felt connected to more to art that actually had a clear and concise message instead of art that I have to literally analyze and break down to try to understand what they're going for. Like, listen, listen every, everything you see, every piece of art that you see, the artist is going to want you to analyze it and critique it as deep as you, as, as deep as you can mentally. Like you need to like every artist doesn't. I I don't think there's a really good I just artist feel like out you there need that, to have that's, a... that's going to paint or draw or photograph something, and they're going to say, "Well, you know, I hope people get it." Kind of. Well, no, like they, my they, thing they is want, that they, it wants to. There has to thought. be thought provoking art is probably. I, I, listen, I'm not an artist. I don't know, but I would if I w- if I was hypothetically. And I released my my work into the world. I would want it to be thought provoking. Oh, I'm sure. To think. Look, uh, and, and I agree with now that. That's the thing, right I'm there. Not dis- I'm not disagreeing with you. What I'm saying is art that I I feel like if we're gonna call you an artist, there has to be creative motive behind it. Who's we? Who's we? I don't think they're searching for validation. I just think the art. Listen, artists are the last people in the world that like are looking for, well, not the last, I mean, everyone does, but I don't think they're looking for a m- money or approval. Okay. I think they just want, like, their work out there. Okay. That's, that, that's the, that, and, and art is a very free, like, self-expressive type of work. And I think yeah, that's, but it's that's also the most, just like that's any... the most attractive feature. Uh, that's the most attractive thing about it. Well, right, but there are, it's just like anything else, too, though. There are good artists and then there are bad artists. So yeah. what I'm saying not, is, it's is not that, for everybody. Like, let's say there is a professional artist that does this for a living. He owns a gallery. He displays his art. He sells his art. He does all of this stuff. He's really proud of it. Good right? for him. And he's an abstract artist. So he throws all these different shapes together and all of these colors and everything. And sometimes they're really pretty. And sometimes, you know, I don't think it takes much talent. But you have a creative mind to put colors together to interpret something like you're saying. Right? But then yeah. you, you, for, exa- for example, Matt... Get bored one day and say, all right, I'm just going to, you know, da, 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 da. and the, the critics love your art, but hate that guys. That's what I'm trying to say is I can't call you an artist unless you're trying to be one. You get what I'm saying? There has to be creative motive behind it. Like that's what I, I keep saying with the water bottle and the Ritz cracker. If I just take a picture of that and make it and and pass it off and symbolize it as struggle and hunger and poverty and all of this stuff. I, it doesn't make me an artist. I didn't put any effort into it. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I'm looking up right now the most expensive paintings ever sold, and I want to see. Ah, man! I wish I could hide. The, I wish I could show you the picture, and hide the amount, and you would think how much they sold for, because you would just. Oh my God! You We're would, gonna have to play that game faint. one of these you days. Would faint. Okay, ready? I, I can. I can. I'll give you. All right, a, I'll go give, ahead. So the I'll twenty-five give, most expensive. Uh, I, I. This is the fifteen most 15. expensive most expensive paintings right. ever. Okay, we ready? got like a couple of minutes. Okay. So go ahead. How, this is a this is a Jackson Pollock painting sold in September of 20, 2015. How much that go for? How much you think? 
See, like that I, to me, I, I don't. I'm sorry for our viewers that can't see this, but this is just an experiment. How, I, how much do you think that sold for? So, for our listeners that are that that are watching this and can't see what's on Matt's laptop, which is literally everyone. Number seventeen A painting by Jackson Pollock. That's what it's called. Yeah, so if it's, you guys want to look it up. It's very jumbly in a lot of colors places. It doesn't have a clear and concise thing. I'm sure it sold for thousands upon thousands of dollars. Just guess. Give me a number amount. Fifty grand. This painting. This, I'm sure I'm not even close. I don't even know paint, the ballpark. This painting sold for two hundred million dollars. <laughs> See, that's ridiculous that to me. Two hundred million. That's ridiculous to me. But you can't like. But can we say like Jackson Pollock is an extremely well-known artist, right? Yes. Extremely well-known. They're not buying it because it's a good piece of art. They're buying it because it's Jackson Pollock. I, I said that earlier. I said the art is not nearly as important as the artist because the artist determines what the art is and what the right, art but means. You, but you, are, you argued the opposite. You argued the opposite because you were saying it's all about what you interpret, right? But the artist wa- that's what the artist wants you to do. Right, but what makes Jackson Pollock's art more valuable than your art? It could be the exact same painting. On the, so it, bring, it all comes back. So, again, on the surface, nothing. I, listen, I'm not saying I could, I could do that because I can't. We've had like a 15-minute discussion listen, on sports man, you radio to, about art. You wanted to go down this rabbit hole. And I, I, know. I, just, I, I didn't realize how, how different we thought. But, I'm, I, th- but what I'm saying is that's what, that's what my point was. So if the artist wants you to think or is provoking your thought mm-hmm. about a certain piece of art, then I don't really think it's anyone but the artist to tell them that they're wrong or that's not art or it's not good or it's not hard. Like, who knows, man? This, this paint splatter, they could have splattered that paint and went, nope, that's not it. And they tore that out. And they splattered that paint and they go, nope, not it. <laughs> they splattered that paint out. There's definitely... They get the right paint splatter. There's, there's definitely splatter <laughs> yes. artists. I, I remember, listen, I remember my, uh, one of my best friends, his name is Greg. He, he, uh, he took me to his cousin's house one time when we were younger. And his room, his entire room was splatter painted. Like that, like that, like instead of like a solid color, like yeah. most rooms, his whole room was splatter painted. I got to tell you, it was awesome. It was so cool. His entire room Well, I think there's painted. a difference between like a painting and then like the painting of a room. Yeah. I mean, listen, it, it's, it's interpretive. That's my point. All right. That's what I'll leave you guys with. All right. All right, coming up next. Nice little distraction there from sports. It's, it's Bold Prediction Monday. Uh-uh-uh. So I'm going to give you five bold predictions. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's not five. It's three. Three, three bold predictions. We're going to do this every Monday. Bold Prediction Monday coming up next on the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we're back. Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network here on a Monday. So Matt and I just got into a heated argument about art. You started. You missed that. I did. <laughs> well, look, I did start it. I'm not going to say that. You did I'm just start. saying. You did start it. I'm more impressed by art that looks like actual things. That's all. I think it's. I, I don't think I'm not making sense. But if it makes you feel any better, my fiance is ripping me apart, and she's on your side. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm just he, ignorant. That's the thing. You said, I, "Hey, I, look, maybe I have an eye for art." Maybe man. you, maybe you quietly have an eye for art. But all I'm saying is this: 
We need first of all we need Vinny and we need Vinny and Paula since they're both since they're in the same. I would class. like to, I would like to get, get their I would like to get Vinny's take on yeah, this. Get their get their opinions on it. See what they think since they're both in the art class and everything. Because I I, I will I'm, bring I'm, her I'm, in I've, one I'm day. In the agree- I'm in and the agreement. we will have this discussion. I'm in the agreement of Matt's side. I'm in the agreement of Matt. And all five of us should just go and take a trip to an art museum. I'm going to bring Anywhere her in one day. I really am. I'm going to bring her in one day, and she's going to pile on top of what you said, Matt. All right. Let's go to the news here on a big J journalist, Matt Catarizolo. It's Monday. What do you got, Matt? Damn right it is. So uh, I didn't bring this up before, but I really should. Uh, okay. We're a sports radio show. We, listen, we specialize in, like, football, basketball, and, most, and a little bit of baseball. But that's about it. But we should talk about this. So this is this is what Simone Biles has done in the past three days. She's the first woman to land a double double dismount. I don't know what that is, but it's, it's really hard apparently. Really hard. It's really hard. Really hard. She's the first woman to do a triple double in competition on floor. It's not the triple double. That's that ridiculous. That's also That's really not ridiculous. Easy. And she is now tied for the most U.S. all around titles with six. She's like entering the goat debate in like gymnastics, like. She's in that conversation. No, she now. is. She is. Uh, I'm like, I I am waiting for the day where she scores a perfect ten on something. Oh, it's gonna happen on some it's event. Only a matter, it's only a matter of time. And I'm not certain what events she does in gymnastics, like what, like her specialties are. But I mean, that triple double in the air on floor is insane. You want to talk about gymnastics, like. You have to understand, there are the most popular sports are not necessary. They don't rec- necessarily require the most amount of athleticism. Like basketball, you need to be incredibly athletic. Football, you need to be athletic. Baseball, you need to be athletic. You, you need to be, you know, physically gifted to play professional sports. People have to understand how incredibly nimble and flexible and crazy athletic you have to be to be a gymnast. I mean, that is like... uh, My sister was one, and my God, my God, you have to be so crazy athletic to be one. physically. Like, you have to be, like, coordinated and balanced. Now, I will say this. Simone Biles is is not doing that uh, by herself. The, The floor routine, the floor has springs underneath it, so you get a little bit more bounce... But still, man, like that's crazy impressive. Yeah, that's really that's like... crazy, crazy. And I think a perfect ten has only been done twice in the history of gymnastics. Twice. One, one was recently. One was. Uh... One was recently with that one, and the other one was Nadia Comaneci. Yeah, yeah. I can find out what it was. I remember. I, I forget what I her was... name was. I remember. Oh my I... god, it's gonna drive me crazy. I remember I brought up because it was it was up for uh, it was up for S- best play S- or something. It S- asked yeah. yeah. I forget, but it was something. And I remember talking about it because uh, it was something where we had to like it was kind of like what I just did. It's like you know what, like it's not really our like area of expertise, but we really should talk about it because like yeah, in relevance to sports, it's pretty important. No, that's that is crazy. That's crazy, man. Yeah. It really is impressive. Like, it's odd. She is maybe the most dominant gymnast ever. Kaylin Ohashi, that was it. That's right. Mm -hmm. Kaylin Ohashi's perfect 10. 
But yeah. she is maybe the most dominant gymnast ever. Yeah. Like I said, and like I've know. never seen a, uh, I've never seen a person or a woman dominate gymnastics like she has. I mean, we've been talking about her for six years or something like that. She's 22. I and we've She's been talking 22. about her since she was 16. I, I mean, Jesus, like, man, she is 22. She She's is young. insane at what she does. Good for her. It's very good. So, this has been an interesting baseball season. We have seen a lot, and I mean a lot, of bats. Like, a lot of bats this season. So, we're seeing a lot of young bats also. So, I mean, we're having a lot of these Rookie of the Year debates. And I think it would be kind of runaways if these two people played the full year. That's Jordan Alvarez and Fernando Tatis Jr. Tatis Jr. still might win it. And he missed about a month. Of action, yeah, because of injury. Jordan Alvarez, I don't even. I just think he wasn't brought up, right? I think Jordan Alvarez could still win it, right? He can, but because especially Jordan Alvarez, because it, there isn't really anybody in the American League that would really take it away from. I, I mean, Brandon Lau, I think, was the front runner the before that. Is like, yeah, but Jordan Alvarez, I think, is already having a better year than him. Already. Seven, he has been insane. 17 home runs, 51 RBIs. His first 10 games, he has doesn't six Doesn't he hit cleanup for them? Yeah. He hits cleanup for them, doesn't he? I'm going to I'm gonna look at, like, the Astros. I'm pretty sure the Astros lineup right now, or their rosters. They probably go Springer, Springer, Bregman, Altuve, and then Al- Alvarez. Well, and Correa's back, too, now. Springer, Altuve, Brantley, Bregman bats cleanup. And then Alvarez, Correa, Diaz, Chirinos, and Reddick. So loaded. Loaded. And Reddick was... Wasn't Reddick an all-star? Or yeah. Reddick was in the all-star voting, and he is batting ninth. Yeah. Lord. That's wow. a, that was their lineup yesterday. Did you, guys Lord. See, did you guys see the Orioles come out and beat and win that game? Yeah. That was insane. That right? was like a historically... Rio Ruiz... That was a historic upset too. Yeah. Like they that was the biggest That was the most favored. The Astros were favored in that game more than any team's been favored against any team in the league this year. Right. That was the most favored game and the Orioles beat them. And that was right after Crazy. The, well, that was right after the 20 to 2. They were like there, minus they were like minus 450 or something like that in that game. The Astros against the Orioles. And that was right after they won 22 to 2 or something like that it was. Yeah. I would have I would have bet the Orioles in that game. Who started that game for the O's? It was Verlander for the Astros, but who started the game for the O's? Asher. Was Asher, it Asher, Asher Wojciechowski? Asher Wojciechowski, yes. Wow. I would have bet on Asher Wojciechowski. Hey, look, he took a no-hitter into the six against Boston. So He's got a 4.8, though, and he's 2-5. and five. It's not great. Kid's a stud. Yeah? Uh, he's a stud. Wow. So you have Granky, who's 11-4. Verlander, who's 15-4. And then you got Aaron, Aaron Sanchez, who's 5-14. And, and then you have... Wade Miley, who's also 11 and 4, and Garrett Cole's 14 and 5. These guys are nuts. The Astros have three of the top four ERAs in the American League in their rotation, and Verlander's at a two point, Verlander's none of at a them two point, are cranky. Verlander's at a 2.8, Garrett uh, Miley is 2.9, and Garrett Cole's at 2.8 also. 
Granky is 11 and 4 with a 3.08 yard. Like, oh my right. god. And neither one right, neither one of them are Granky. That's crazy. Cole and Verlander have more strikeouts than Granky. Verlander 217, Cole 226. Granky is 137, Sanchez 111, Wade Miley 116. Speaking of the Orioles right now, the Yankees in the bottom of the second are up 5 to 1. Over the Orioles. They have a doubleheader nice. today. Yeah, this is the game nice. one of the day-night doubleheader. Right. All right, that's the news. Our Big J journalist, Matt Catarizzolo. Good stuff today, bud. Here on a Monday. Imagine being the Orioles. Even though your take on art is crap. You know no, I'm what? I'm just kidding. We, listen, we're not going to agree Was on your take? Now, let me ask you this. Was your take on art, art itself? Yes, the art of speech, the art of arguments, and the art of dialogue. Is food art? Hell yeah. Kidding me? Food art? Food is absolutely Fart. art. <laughs> See right there what you just did? Comedy? That's art. Comedy is do, an art. Your no, life right. is art, dude. Whether you like it or not, your life is art. I, I can't escape the art. You are art. I, I am art. You are art. All right, so here's what we got here. So it's Bold Prediction Monday. This is what we're going to do every single Monday. To close out the show, I'm going to give you three bold predictions. So here we go. All right, now all of these have to do with football. It's not always going to be like this, but because of the start of the NFL season, we're going to do it this way. Number one, Daniel Jones will start for the New York Giants by week 10. Now, like I said, I think that it could be earlier than that simply because I think he's going to outplay Eli in training camp. However... The Giants show reluctancy to move off of Eli. I think if they do start him, they're going to wait till they're absolutely out of it, till they're like 2-9 and nine or whatever, and then they'll start the kid. So Daniel Jones will start by you week really, 10 for really the Giants. You really think they're going to do worse than last season? You think they're going to do worse? Yeah. Really? What, what were they last year? 5-11. Five and, five and 5-11. Give me like three and 13, uh, four and 12. Okay, so you I have, really don't so think they're going to be good. So what do they do in the draft? What do they do in the draft next year then? Draft a pass rusher. Just draft more talented kids. And honestly, if you can, even entertain trading out of it. Get a ton of assets yeah. for a team that really wants a quarterback. Go and trade trade the pick and get a lot more. Okay. So you have week 10, Daniel Jones week, t- okay. week 10 for Daniel Jones. Okay, so here's their schedule. Week 1, Dallas Cowboys at the Cowboys. Week 2, home against the Bills. Week 3 at don't the go Bucks. Through the, don't go through the whole schedule. Well, I just I want to look through. Week 4, Redskins. Week 3 at the Bucks. Week 5, Vikings. Patriots week six at New England, week seven Cardinals, week eight Lions, week nine Cowboys, week ten at the Jets. Can you imagine if week ten is Daniel Jones' debut right. and it's against the Jets? Right. That would be something. What a story that, that would, would be. be. Something. And week That's eleven. Right. Now week eleven is their bye week. So do you think? Honestly, I could see them waiting out the bye week, week eleven, then week twelve. People, oh, that's against the Bears. In Chicago. They wouldn't do that. They'll Ooh, give him, yeah, they'll give him, they wouldn't throw him against, against the, Bears the Bears. And, yeah. At Soldier yeah. Field against the that defense. The first snap of his NFL career in the regular season, he gets clocked by Khalil Mack. Yeah. Like, that's just and Khalil no Mack I was, literally rip him in half. I was going to say maybe after the bye, but then I saw the Bears and we tells like, yeah, I agree with you guys. Not a no chance. Way. No way. All right. Number two. Lamar Jackson will eclipse his rushing attempts mark from last year. I think he's going to run for he's going to run for a lot more yards and he's going to run for a lot more times. I really do believe that. He's going to have a monster running year and I actually think he's going to show a little bit of promise throwing the football too. I really do like the kid. So he's going to run the ball a lot more. 
tell me, John John Harbaugh is going to run like crazy with Lamar Jackson. And number three, before the season starts, before week one, Dak Prescott will accept a $33 million per year contract. You're going by Michael Lombardi's report, aren't you? No, I'm actually not. Did Dak he actually Pre- report Dak that? Pre- Michael Lombardi of, of uh, I think, I think, it's, I think he works for or the Athletic. He used to obviously used to work for the Patriots and the Browns with Belichick. He said Dak Prescott turned down thirty million dollars. Yes, he did. Yep. No, I heard about that. You saw that? Thirty-three million dollars will be his contract offer, and he will take it. One million more than Carson Wentz, and I think he gets the deal done. So Daniel Jones starts by week ten. Lamar Jackson eclipses his running mark of last year, and Dak Prescott accepts. Thirty-three million dollars per year before week one. Bold prediction Monday. What so do we think? So for the first set, the first set we have we have Jackson, Daniel Jones starting. Jackson eclipsing, eclipsing more rushing attempts. Eclipsing more rushing okay. attempts than last year. And Dak gets thirty-seven, thirty-three million annually. Yep. All right. Well. Before week one. Before before week one. Okay, I got to put that down. Okay, before before week one. Week. One, and if you're wrong, we're going to hear a lot of this. I can't wait to hear, I can't wait to hear a lot of that. Now, I, I mean, for the Ravens' sake, I hope Lamar throws more and, uh, and that doesn't rush clips more attempts, but yeah, sure. You should hope he wins more, Evan. I hope, no, I hope he. I hope no. Of course, I hope Lamar Jackson wins more. But as developing as a quarterback, I hope I do hope. And also, again, for just his health, I don't want him to take unnecessary shots. I don't want him to take injuries. I don't want. I don't want him to get hurt. I want him to play well. I want to be a pocket passing quarterback. I want him to. I want him to run, but also be smart when you're running, like Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's really smart when he runs. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, so, so et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of quarterbacks who are smart when they run the football right. and take care of it. That's what I just want from Lamar Jackson. If he rushed for more, okay. But I want him to be better from the pocket as a passer. Right. And I, when he does take off, protect yourself. Just slide down. Slide. He didn't slide last year. He didn't slide last year. That's what really. That's what I took notice of. I He'll want him slide. To slide. He'll slide. I, I hope. I do. I, I he will so. slide. I agree. All right. So that's going to do it for us on the haystack of the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. That's big. Uh, big J journalist Matt Catarazzolo, my producer Evan Mazza. Daniel, I just I'm picturing in my head Daniel Jones's debut against the Jets. And then he throws for like 340 yards and four touchdowns against the Jets. And then the next day later, we're saying same old Jets. That's the Jets. Yep. <laughs> there you go. And you imagine. I'm Mike Guido. This is the Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network here. Cafe Rays in Hop Hog, New York. We'll see you. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.